Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. This is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth, issues affecting the Latin community, and much more. Then every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community. Listen to Life as a Gringo on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, Robert Evans here, and I wanted to let you know this is a compilation episode. So every episode of the week that just happened uh, is here in one convenient and with somewhat less ads package for you to listen to in a long stretch if you want. Uh, If you've been listening to the episodes every day this week, there's going to be nothing new here for you, but you can make your own decisions. Hey, every uh, buddy, America. Hey, Americans. America. How is American? That is and, the podcast. And it's those open. beyond. No, okay. That was well, that was a horrible issue. That was maybe your top 10 worst. <laughs> this is It Could Happen Here, a podcast where an incompetent rube fucks up starting the show, and then we talk about how things are falling apart or how to yeah. make things not fall apart. Or some version of things in between those two facts. Yep. Yep. That's uh kind of kind of not great time going on right now. A lot of people are. Uh... That was our, our second. That was our B pitch for the name. <laughs> kind of not it's a great time. Kind of not a great time going on right now. It actually is not that far from what was discussed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's like especially especially right now. There's there's a lot of. A lot of trials going on, um, feet on stuff. And the um, Ahmad Arbery trial is happening. 
the one about uh, you know unite unite the right is going on, and of of course the Kyle Kyle Rittenhouse trial as of as of recording is um people uh, the jury is still in Second deliberation. Second day of deliberations. Um, so no idea what's going to be the result by the time this no, episode I goes am- up. I've um, actually been like not commenting on it or me trying neither. not to think about it. There's nothing we can do about it. There's Fuck nothing it. you can we'll do. See what happens. And yeah. like a, a lot of people, there's been discussion about how much civil unrest there's going to be depending on the result of the trial. Uh, I know there's been a lot of like National Guard sent, sent to Wisconsin. It's been, you know, FBI door knocks at activists' homes trying to scare people so that they don't, you know, go out and riot or whatever. A discussion online of people, you know, planning protests in response to in <clears> response to whatever the result is. Um, I noticed today there was a post from I think the Ohio Proud Boys claiming that they'd be sending like, like uh, was it hundreds or thousands of like people armed with like ARs to Wisconsin or yeah, something. Yeah, there's it, it, there's a, a fucking post people are saying like you should take it seriously because it's from a Proud Boys internal chat and it's like we've got 300 guys heavily armed heading yeah. to and there's already X number of guys there and. We're gonna kill a lot more communists than Kyle Rittenhouse did, and yada yada yada. And yada yada I, yada. If yada. I could give you one piece of advice now, in who knows where the world is at the point at which this episode drops, it's when people talk about say when if you are at a protest and someone starts talking about the Proud Boys, as in the Proud Boys are coming or the Proud Boys are here, if you don't immediately see incontrovertible visual proof that they have access to to showing it, assume it's nonsense. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> like, that, that is my advice as someone who has heard a thousand times people say versions of the Proud Boys are coming. OK, insist on evidence uh, or ignore it. But, you know, whenever whenever these big civil, you know, unrests and types of stuff happens, there's always an increased uh, chance that there'll be some kind of protest related shooting, uh, especially yes, people are definitely. Opening- Absolutely. That especially may have happened if, by the time this episode drops. Yeah, especially if people are bringing guns, people are people bringing firearms. And there, there's been a lot of, uh, there's you know, for like the demonstrations outside the courthouse, there's been, you know, guns there. Um, there's been, you know, an increasing uh, in the rate of, sh- of shootings at protests on the West Coast throughout the past few months. Um, so I'm going to be kind of talking about, you know, some things that you can do if you're at home and you feel competent enough in the aftermath of one of, of uh, one of these shootings, you know, if, if, if you know, if a proud boy does bring a bring a gun and shoot somebody, yeah, what if, to, what, if, what you can if, actually do? If video, if you're in a situation where a, a, you've been following something happening all day, there's a shooting and like low quality footage starts coming out of somebody killing someone or someone's else. Here's what to do next if you want to maybe be a positive part of of that of that process. Well, and, not of that process, but of like. The, 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 the aftermath of it, yeah, you know, and and because because mm-hmm. the universe is cruel, I I, I originally wrote this wrote a write up of, of about the Rittenhouse shooting, um, because the universe is a cruel place and it's gonna you know continue to th- this particular incident is gonna continue to be impactful, even though it's not the first, it's not gonna be the last one of these. It is still impactful because of how much of a symbol has been turned into. So, I I think a lot of people forget about how how chaotic the night on the internet was the day of the Kenosha shooting. Um, like, it was it was wild. Uh, being online as that was going on, uh, no one had no idea what was going on. People could not agree on who the shooter was beforehand. There was a lot of pictures floating around. It was, it was, it was, an, it was a nightmare. Uh, we know, we knew that people were shot. We did not know how many or who, like, it was, it was pretty bad and chaotic. 
And it is um, always that way in the wake of a shooting. Yeah. Um, and it is the in any given shooting. Always keep in mind when you're when you're online or in person, and there has been a shooting, and people are saying things about said shooting, other than we should take cover from the shooting. If they're saying anything else about it, um, you have to assume they're probably not either wrong or not entirely accurate. Um, because it, it, it's, it's hard to be. It, it, it yeah. happens constantly. I mean, that's not it's something against any of them. I can remember a moment when you and I were out last year, Garrison, and there was a shooting, I don't know, like 40 feet away. Yeah. Um, if nobody hurt, thankfully, but like the, the immediate report from it was some guy had gotten, pulled an AR-15 out of his car. And uh, and I I think the thing I said to you was I'll bet you right now it's a nine millimeter handgun and, and sh- sure yep. enough within yep, minutes was. there was a photo yeah it's a, and it's not that those people were like dumb or bad it's that like shootings are scary guns getting pulled is scary and people fuck up um, in in their recollections um, it's the same way in which uh, like if a bear comes after you. Uh, you may exaggerate the size of that bear in your head because you're scared of shit. Yeah, because it's a bear. So, yeah. So, so I, I was home on August 25th. Um, just and I, I, I was, I was, I was, I was actually about to go out to, to uh, a cover a protest in Portland, but then I saw this happened on my phone on Twitter. I was like, I cannot go out. I will be more useful at home. Um, so with with some, so much uncertainty online or in the details of the actual shooting. It was it was clear that pr- trying to provide concrete information would be crucial in the hours to come. So I booted up my computer and started to try to begin to search for you know information and, and verifiable stuff. Um, so I, I I spent I spent all night looking looking for details about the, the shooter. You know, um, unco- uncovering his supposed uh, identity. Um, ultimately, about an hour before the police announced their investigation even started, um, and and twelve hours before the police uh, announced the shooter's arrest. Um, and also, to, to my surprise at the time, I, I discovered that the shooter was the same age as me. Um, uh, which is which fun. Was, <laughs> n- <laughs> yeah, quite a moment for you. Yeah, that was that, that was that was a night. So, um, because I because I mainly use Twitter, and most of the video of the incident was on Twitter. I, I started uh, my my investigation by looking at Twitter. Uh, my my first goal was to find as as many videos of of the shooting. Uh, that I could and collect pictures of all of the alleged suspects, all the, all the people who were claiming, "Hey, this this is this is the shooter." I think I think I got a picture of the shooter. Who is here's who he is. Um, so I I kept my eye on trending terms. Uh, so I searched under the hashtags like Kenosha, Kenosha shootings, Kenosha shooting, Kenosha protests. Uh, Boogaloo was trending a lot. A lot of people thought the shooter was a Boogaloo boy. Um, was not. Um, and also uh, 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 hashtag militia. So the the searches brought up a lot a lot of photos of uh, of multiple young men, most of whom were carrying long guns, and a, a lot of unconfirmed reports that the shooter was a Boogaloo boy was trending on Twitter. This was the main the main thing that night was Boogaloo boy shot all the stuff. That that was the main the main trending topic. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of lot of conflicting details, and I did not want to kind of add to the misinformation, so I decided to not make any posts about whatsoever about the identity of the shooter until I was one hundred percent confident. Uh, that I had the correct ID, which takes a while. It's it's not you know, uh, Twitter wants you to post stuff quickly as soon as you find it out, and it's way better to hold off your information and and wait until you are absolutely sure it's the right time to post it because it's that correct stuff. Because uh, mis mis misidentifying a suspect can have serious serious consequences for any individual um, involved. It's one one of the worst things you can do is 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 mis misidentify any any suspect. So, I. 
was looking through all, all the videos that I collected for kind of unique um, or identifying clothing that, that the shooter may have been wearing. Uh, the first video I found useful was from a right-wing videographer named Drew Hernandez, um, who a, a few months later uh, called for bloodshed at, at the Capitol. He also testified at the Rittenhouse trial. This video did not actually show any, any actual shooting. It had a wounded person on, on the ground being treated by a medic, and a man standing over the scene with, with, with a gun, um, and wearing a green shirt, a, a tan baseball cap, jeans, and like purple latex gloves. He had, he, had a, he, had, he had a black and orange bag. Um, the person in the green shirt then runs towards the camera while talking on the phone. And he says into the phone, um, I just shot somebody. Or I just killed somebody. It's hard to tell what he's actually saying. If, it's, it's one of those things where if you think about it, you can hear both ones. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but he, he says something like, I just killed somebody on the phone, and he runs past the camera. So yeah. this, 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 this was the first kind of really important piece of information. Yeah, uh, person, that, was, person, that was brought up in the trial, too, and he he was like, I don't remember what I said. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah and, and to be honest, like, even if if this was, I, I don't think any of us believe this was legitimate self-defense, but, like, even if it was, either of those things would be perfectly acceptable things yeah. to say. It's a surprising moment, right? Yeah. Um, like, it, 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 and you probably wouldn't remember what you'd said. I don't necessarily no, yeah. think he's lying about that. It, it, it turns out he, he was he was on uh, the phone with uh, the, the person who bought him the gun, a, 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 a friend of his. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but but the, 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 this was my first like important piece of information. I, I you know, the, the night of, right, this is before anyone's analyzed any of this stuff. So this is the first mm-hmm. video that I can find of like, okay, here's a person admitting on camera that they shot somebody um, and wearing a few potential identifiers, namely the, the green shirt, baseball cap, and bag. Um, so now I can search for all of those items together and the rest of the footage collected throughout the night. Looking over the, 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 the top viral videos of the night showing multiple people getting shot, uh, this, is from, this is from later on after the first person gets killed. Uh, we, we can see someone in a baseball cap, black and orange bag, and what could be a, 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 a green shirt running through a street. Um, somebody runs over to the individual with the gun and kind of punches them in the head, n- knocking his hat off. So now the person running with the gun does not have a hat. Indiv- individual with the gun keep, keeps running but trips and falls on the ground before people try to disarm him. Uh, four more shots are fired from the suspect, and uh, one, one more person dies as a result of this. Other person gets their arm nearly blown off. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is one continuous video of all of this happening. Extremely useful having having one video of this whole shot. Yeah, it lets you time um, it and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the the shooter who uh, appears to be the same person is the other video because of the green shirt and the hat at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, continues to get onto his feet and runs off again. Uh, and the uh, the orange orange and orange and black bag swings in front of him as he's running, and uh, a purple glove is also visible. Uh, m- multiple vehicles drive past, uh, like police vehicles. Um, the shooter then walks up uh, pretty close to a police vehicle, and he just, he just, he just, he, with with the rifle, and n- nothing, nothing happens. He he like he wait, he waves to the cops, and they just keep driving, and he walks away. So, after finding and watching these videos, I had you know I had no reason to believe the shooter was in custody, um, and I had a good idea of his clothing and attire. So now it's time to you know compare this information that I gathered. Uh, to pictures of the supposed, you know, suspects circulating on Twitter, um, but but first, I think uh, now it's it's the time to Is listen it? to people selling you stuff. You know who doesn't? Oh boy, <laughs> travel to Just another state. Sh- 
to show up armed no, in a community no. to threaten people? They don't do it. I'm saying they don't. That's good. Okay, Robert. Products and services who support Unless this podcast. Unless it's HelloFresh. Black yeah. Rifle Coffee. Washington State Patrol. <laughs> what do you have against HelloFresh? Actually, a number of our sponsors will show up unwanted in your community armed. I forgot the Washington State Highway Remember? Patrol and the FBI have both dropped ads now. Well, also, and, so and, you and know California what? Highway Patrol. Don't forget about those motherfuckers. Like Kyle Rittenhouse, zip, a number of our sponsors hey, may show up hey, in your hey. home neighborhood with I, a gun. I have another one. Also, Black Rifle Coffee, Kyle's favorite brand of coffee. Remember? Well, it was until they disavowed him. Anyway, disavowed that's him. a long story. But, here's yeah, here's anyway. the ads. Here's the I ones that paid just us. Just do it. We're back. We're back. Yay. So there was there was a lot of pictures of suspects on Twitter. Some of them who look nothing like the person we now know who shot those people. Um, funny how that happens. It's uh, well, it's not funny. It's it's pretty pr- pretty pretty bad. Dangerous um, misinformation. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not great to sh- to share stuff like like that uh, when these things happen, um, which is why I said I'm not going to share anything until I 100% know um, and know that it's 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 actually worth posting about. So, in uh, I'm I'm going to go through go go through all some 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 of the pictures and stuff of of uh, I'm going to go through at least one of the pictures of of one of the people people claimed to be the shooter. So in one picture circulating. Uh, you see someone in a green shirt, a baseball cap, and big, big, big black rifle. But this man's also wearing shorts, a, a, a black hat, not a tan one. Has no bag. Uh, appears to be wearing like a tactical vest that is also green. So not the guy. I, even though he's wearing a green shirt and hat, not the same dude. Sure. Would be pretty easy to check. Not you don't. You really don't need to show you that kind of stuff. Pretty sure. Pretty sure a lot of people own green shirts. Yep. So two other photos that were circulating. They were claiming to be the guy. We had a green shirt, a, a tan baseball cap put on backwards, jeans. Um, one of the one of the pictures has a, a bag in front, uh, which, which is an orange and black one. one. One of them doesn't. One picture has uh, purple gloves. Other picture doesn't. But these dudes look pretty similar, uh, despite the same differences. I'm pretty sure this is this, this is this is this is the same guy. But you know, I made the decision at the night. It's, this is probably the same dude, um, and he d- does appear to match the shooter a lot better. And there was a, a few, a few clear pictures of his face um, here. But honestly, the face of—if if you look at all the pictures of the Kenosha shooting that night, the pictures of the suspect are really unclear because the way that the light hit his face, he looks like an incredibly generic white boy, um, like extremely generic. It is hard to tell any any I, 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 identifying features from his face because I mean, they look like an ev- archetype it, he looks like yeah. every yeah. every yeah. white every white boy it's really hard to say um, He's everyone you went to high school with who i don't know sniffed a girl's chair when he like it's <laughs> yeah. like, that that's that's yeah. Kyle Rittenhouse like, that was yeah such a gross visual now that I decided that I have like I have a decent collection of pictures of who I believe the actual actual suspect is, it's time 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 to figure out who the suspect's like name actually is. And this is this is one of the this is one of the harder things. But often you can have a lot of help in ways that you might not expect. Um, often once you can get a good picture of someone, you know, it'd be like yeah, yes, this this is actually the dude. Once that gets shared enough. Often somebody knows who this is already. You know, the internet's a pretty big place. I, I believe the first I believe the first person to actually 
Like, like I, I was the I was the person to like prove online who who Kyle Rittenhouse, that Kyle Rittenhouse was the shooter. The first person to actually tie Kyle's name to the shooter um, was a neighbor of his on Facebook. Um, that the, they they saw pictures of the shooter on on Facebook and said, "Hey, I think this. I think I recognize this guy. I think I think this is my neighbor." Um, so often, once you start, once you have like enough pictures and those can spread, people will fail to find names. It isn't as hard as you would think. The, the hard part is, is finding out wh- what personal connections are making those links and finding out wh- where, where those are. But stuff, stuff spreads in a weird way. And right for this, you know, I, I, find, I, I was able to prove that it was Kyle pretty quickly um, for a few reasons. So after I, I was doing my, my, my clothing comparisons to figure out this is to prove like he, he said this is the actual person who, who did these things. Um, the other thing I, I found that was not it was not viral at, at all, um, but just because I was digging through so much stuff, was this meme shared by uh, I, I, by some like small boogaloo account. Um, it was a picture of the shooter uh, co- a compare uh, right beside a collection of Blue Lives Matter pictures of someone who looks kind of similar linking to a Facebook page. Or no, not not linking. It, it was it was it was screenshotted from a Facebook page, and I can tell because of the font. And it was like it said like a uh, Rittenhouse's photos. So this was the first this was the first thing I saw on like buried deep inside like Twitter's 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 images. But by using all of like these uh hashtag terms was this meme, and 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 the meme said, "So y'all think he's still a boogaloo? No, no, he wasn't because of all of like the pro police stuff. Uh, because boogaloo's generally are not." not that fond, fond of police. They sure so, aren't. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so yeah. Um, given, given, so, you know, if someone was to look at this, you know, l- look at this meme itself, he's like, okay, you know, the j- job is done. You know, informa- this dude looks vaguely similar-ish to the guy on this Rittenhouse Facebook. Um, the gun looks kind of similar because w- w- one of the pictures of the Facebook was was a guy holding was a guy holding an uh, AR, um, but you know just so- something looking similar or even holding a similar gun in one picture from a Facebook account that's not enough to be sure about publishing a positive ID that there's there's, there's no actual really there's no like definitive proof there because honestly if I was to look at these two guys' faces they don't look incredibly similar because faces can distort with lighting and compression they, it, 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 it can be really difficult and this is where you know trying to ID a shooter is hard and requires complex judgment calls and posting inaccurate information or like incomplete information um, can have you know extremely harmful effects and there's, there's a lot, lot, lot of examples of this happening in the past you know probably the, the biggest example or the, the most notorious one of false identification is the Boston bombing incident oh, um, yeah. yeah so you know right after the right after the 2013 bombing you know thousands of users on sites like Reddit and 4chan began combing through footage to try to identify potential suspects screen caps of the people they deemed suspicious went viral um, online on on various social media sites unfortunately the sleuthing work done on 4chan and Reddit was incredibly shoddy um, and seemingly had way more to do with like racial paranoia than actual detective work and evidence gathering. The the New York Post subsequently uh, published a picture on its front page that that originated on Reddit that y- users had declared that the, was showing the two suspects with, without doing oh, any God. further verification. So it's 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 real bad how stuff can spread from Reddit like this. That's completely unverified to you know a, a newspaper, even as one as 
unreputable as the Post, that's still a very popular paper. The the Post also claimed that the law enforcement were looking for those two two uh, two individuals uh, in that picture. Um, one of the one of the people identified by the Post was harassed online. Um, police later li- police later told him just to delete his social media accounts entirely because there was no use at that point. Um, when the FBI did officially release photos of the unnamed suspects, Reddit users again falsely identified these people. Uh, one one of the people they falsely identified went went missing for weeks prior. Um, his his family received media inquiries about the false unverified rumors of their son's involvement. Um, and rumors of, of of involvement were spread by reporters from Politico, Newsweek, uh, Newsweek, NBC News, and BuzzFeed. Um, eight days after the bombing, this guy Good was work, actually guys. Eight, mm-hmm. eight, days, eight days after the bombing, this guy was actually found dead, and his family said it was a suicide. Um, it was not not one of the shooters, yeah. uh, not one of the bombers. Um, so, Which is again why even more than the tactics you could use to try and you know verify things online, the most useful thing you can take out of this is. If there is a mass shooting or other act of violence and people on social media are saying it is this person, don't share it. Don't, Just don't share yeah. it. Just wait. Especially There's if no they don't, value in sharing it. If, if they have don't have anything to verify this at all. So yeah, like I'm not gonna yeah. I'm not gonna D- don't. <laughs> yeah, like I'm, I'm that, not, again, that is the overwhelming thing we we want to get I'm not across. gonna you know, that's why I you know I'm not gonna share this Kyle Rittenhouse um Boogaloo me because there's no proof for it. It, it, it yeah. it's, it's it's not there. Now, eventually, after digging, I would realize that this meme co- is uh, comes from his neighbor saying that she thinks the suspect is him. So that's that's how this meme was created. Um, but still, like there 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 was no no proof for it. So I don't I I didn't share it. So all yep. the Boston bombing stuff was like go- going through my mind as I you know found this and was trying to dig for, for dig dig for more details. So yeah, I knew that I could not post a name on any social media, um or or any info until I until I could prove it like without a shadow of a doubt that this is the same person because a, a lot a lot a lot of times it is possible. It just requires work and time, you know and. A big part of doing this on Twitter is like you want to get it out fast so that you're the first person to do it so that, you know, you can go viral on your thread of identifying this killer. And like, no, that's not the reason to do image verification. It's not to go viral on a thread. It's because whenever that's your goal, you're going to do you're going to do shitty, fast work that is going to end up causing some kind of horrible consequence, like in the case of the Boston bombing. And to be even extra clear, the primary use for this, the kind of what you're teaching people, image verification, which is something that like. Like Bellingcat, which is has been like kind of a part time employer of mine, um, is a is an open source journalism collective that's broken some of the biggest stories in the last couple of years. And in the classes, we teach a class on image verification. And the point is just whenever someone is sharing a piece of what is like supposedly breaking news based on video or images that have been taken at the site of a whatever. Image verification tactics can help you to know whether or not it's it whether or not. Either it's true or false, but also just whether or not the image, the information they're presenting, gives you any reason to believe it. Yeah, like it. Yeah, it's not or even how the information is like useful knowing, or how it's just altered. knowing. Yeah, you might be full of shit. Like that's super important. Yeah, yeah. Like there, there's there's a thing that happens. Like and, and anytime there's something that looks like a war starting, there's like this video of a bombing from 2014 in Gaza that goes around. Yep. 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 And it's like every time. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, there's so, a, there's actually five or six different kinds of things that are like that, Chris. That are like, yeah. Oh, this is there's actually footage from like a Russian video game that people keep get, pe- keeps getting like mistaken for actual yeah. combat footage. Yeah, and it's like, no, it's fucking from a video game. Oh this has been on. God. This has been three wars now. <laughs> there's this famous footage of like. A fucking um, an airsoft battle at night uh, with yeah, glowing with, like with, airsoft with the, pellets with, with the glowing pellets, yeah. And it, it kind of it kind of looks because it's black and white, not a great camera. It kind of looks like tracer fire, and it's there's like three wars that people have said like, look, this is real <laughs> combat footage from. It happens yeah. all the time. Like, and again, great a, yeah. great account to follow is uh, Hoaxi on Twitter. They 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 do really good work pointing out just like kind of more like more like less high stakes kind of image image verification stuff. Um, so, but before I get into the actual like verification work of like proving, hey, I can actually prove that that no, by by not just someone's face, I can prove that this shooter is the same guy from from, from the Facebook page. Um, I'll explain that next. First, short short ad break, and then we will f- finish up with this actual proving section. Yeah, you know who is not Kyle oh, Rittenhouse. God. <laughs> Wow, you have really dropped the ball to all of the transitions today. Yeah, I am not proud of myself or my place in society at the moment. Um, here's ads. We're back. I I feel terrible, Garrison. And so even even though the Boogaloo meme was not hard evidence, uh, it did it did provide a lead. So after seeing the meme, I did the first most obvious thing that I could see was compare the gun in in the two frames. Uh, they do look similar. Uh, they're not they're not identical. Uh, the optics are different for each rifle. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rest of it, the, but the stock, the the grip, um, and uh, the barrel do do seem do seem to be do seem to be if not if not identical at least extremely similar again still not enough to make a positive id on an individual basis like this person is this person so the, the next step is to scour the actual facebook account itself that is uh, alluded to in this meme and see what i can find there the, the the goal obviously being to find statements or pictures that will tie this person in the images of the shooter to the person on the account so that's you know clothing location intention mm-hmm. you know all these types of things that could tie the the pictures of the shooter to the pictures of the person on 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 this account um so kyle rittenhouse's old public facebook profile was uh mainly made up of blue lives matter and pro police images going back as far as 2017 um with a few uh then recent pictures of him holding his ar-15 style rifle uh those the the, the rifle pictures were like from june the shooting happened in late august um, it appears, I think it came out in the trial that he got his rifle around like May. Um, so yeah, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of pro police stuff, a lot of thin blue line, blue lives matters type things. Um, his public, his, his public page is re- is relatively sparse. Um, and there was no public friends list to look through. Um, one, one noteworthy piece of information was that he did, he did list another name for himself as Kyle Lewis, which I uh, believe is his mother's maiden name. Sure, but uh, but even so, even though I wasn't able to view a friends list and there wasn't many public posts, uh, this is, his page is by no means a dead end. I could still see everyone that has commented on, shared, or liked his public posts because, like, so he did not have he he did not many have any pictures himself on his page that that, mm-hmm. that I could use for verification. He didn't have he didn't, like nothing that I could tie 
to the shooting besides the actual gun. So not not tons of useful not tons of useful stuff, but there's perhaps there's still other other leads to look through, like everyone who's liked, shared, or uh, uh, commented on his posts. So I, I, I opened up new tabs for every single person that interacted with Kyle's posts. While looking over their pages, I was searching to see if any of them had listed Kyle as a relative, uh, with a focus on anyone with the last name of Rittenhouse or Lewis. Um, and, and, you know, ideally was looking for to see if anyone had pictures of Kyle or someone who seems to be Kyle. Uh, one post from May of 2018 uh, eventually eventually proved uh, uh, useful. Uh, w- one comment read, Kyle, you sure do lo- look like a Lewis. Uh, so there's the alternate last name. And uh, two people had liked that comment. Kyle himself and, so- oh, and, uh, and someone who uh, is his mom, uh, which I would, would later find out is, is, is his mom. Um, uh, so she said that uh, lived, that she said that she lived in, uh, uh, is it, Anatoc, Illinois. Antioch, probably. Antioch, Illinois, uh, which matches uh, with Kyle's uh, uh, Illinois-based pro-police posts. He 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 made a lot of like Chicago Blue Lives Matter posts. So I assumed that Kyle was from Illinois, and also um, uh, Antioch. Is that what you said? Whatever. Yeah, Antioch. Um, Antioch. Antioch to to Wisconsin. uh, Antioch to uh, Kenosha is only like a thirty-minute drive. So. That is also like okay. That's 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 pretty close. That is that is doable. Um, so was I the next? I I, I went I, I I went through a lot of the relatives' pages, but I'm going to focus just on the person who I found out who was um, Kyle's mom because they're the one that had the most useful information, right? I, a lot of other information I looked through just didn't turn out to be useful, right? So I'm I'm not, I'm not including all of that here. Um, uh, w- one post from from uh, uh, Wendy's mom. Uh, featured a younger Kyle wearing a police outfit. Um, I'm sure people have seen this picture online before. I think I've, I was probably one of, I was I was probably the first person to share this photo of Kyle in this in this younger Kyle wearing this this police this police costume. An unbelievably cringy photo. Like even yeah. outside of the fact that he took two lives. Like just Yeah. So I mean um, look, we all have photos we took when while in ROTC. Like So yeah. We, Ideally, we would we would get there a chance is, to grow. There's out actually of that, a, there's but. actually a lot more of these photos. Uh, there's photos mm-hmm. of him touring. So this is this is stuff I also found that night. Uh, photos of him like touring a Target with police as he's in a police uniform. He was part of like a uh, police young cadets program. Yeah. When he would he was like twelve. Um, so that, that's where he got this outfit, and he like tagged around with police for like a day or something. And there's photos of him like in a God, Target a with loser. police. Even yeah. when I was like a shitty right wing kid, that sounded like a nightmare. So, so yeah. So uh, Kyle's the person who I figured out was Kyle's mom. Uh, posted this this photo uh, of of her and Kyle, which which Kyle uh, liked. And then in another picture of uh, another picture from from uh, Kyle's mom, I found uh, uh, it's a family picture including Kyle. Wearing uh, what I would say is like an army green shirt, s- s- kind of similar, but it's a green shirt. Like I have, I have shirts that are pretty similar to that. I'm not. Con- that's not going to be anything su- super definitive, until we got there was a uh, one one picture that that proved to be much much more much more useful uh, of Kyle on uh, or someone who I assumed was Kyle. Y- you don't you don't you don't actually see his face, but he is wearing. Uh, horribly cringy American flag Crocs 
which, uh, which oh, Kyle. Oh, God. Horrible. <laughs> I know. I know. Which, which, which so, and, 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 and uh, on, on Kyle's page, he, there was also pictures of him wearing those same Crocs. So, like, even, even though I can't see the person's face, the Crocs are the same, probably the same guy. He's also wearing a tan baseball cap. Um, and on this, I can actually see that it has an American flag on the front of the cap, which I, I did not notice on anything else before. So that's, you know, that's something different. But again, not that that's that's not that's not that's not like a red flag. That's just, you know, a, a, a thing to a thing of note, because um, the, 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 the baseball cap is tan um, and it has like white mesh on the sides. Um, the one the one thing I did, I, 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 I did make one post before I actually did any kind of I, I claiming to do I, I, identity stuff. I did ask my Twitter followers if there's any pictures of the back of the shooter's cap um, and I got them to to send me those, and then I I got one picture of of the back that actually has uh I couldn't see like okay the back of the shooter's cap also has the flag on it, mm. so I was able to actually show that okay so the 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 baseball cap on the back of it uh but they're both tan baseball caps they both have white mesh on the sides they both have the, have an American flag and then I got another picture that was even closer that showed a uh, a tear on the brim of the hat. And if you zoom in on one of the beach pictures, you could also see a tear on the same position on the hat. So this is the, the this hat is the hat is the same hat. The hat was definitely it was definitely in both locations. So at this point, based on the gun, based on the hat, based on the location being very close to Kenosha, um, and being close on the rough facial similarities, um, there was there was enough enough to enough to to um enough to put put stuff together to be like okay i i think i think this is this is probably this is you're probably fine in saying i think this is probably the dude um so at at, at this point i i wasn't i wasn't again i'm, I'm not going to post this immediately and i and i'm not going to post something by saying this is who it is without providing the evidence so instead of like writing a thread tweet by tweet i i read the whole thread out and then tweet the whole thread at the same time um, so, so I, I put together the thread documenting my relevant stuff. Um, I, I wrote the f first eight posts at the same time and posted them together with all the evidence I've uploaded. Um, and then, and then, uh, as I was writing the thread, I came across another piece of evidence. There was one, I, I was going through one of the live streams of, of that night from a channel called The Rundown Live, which I've not heard anything of before or since then. Um, but you know, one of the many streamers that were out in, in 2020, um, and you can see you can see Kyle inside the frame, and then like pans away, but the people are still talking. Um, so so Kyle Kyle is actually off camera now. Um, but he I, I think someone like asks him his name, and he rep and the person who I think is Kyle replies Kyle. Now of course it's off camera, so it's not you can't be totally sure. But there's there's enough context clues, and that plus all my other evidence. I'm like okay, th th this is enough to add to the thread because it again it's it's not enough proof by itself, but it combined with everything else completes a much fuller picture. So I, I posted my like nine or yeah like eight or nine thing thread. On, on being able to prove it's Kyle via, via you know comparing stuff like the gun, uh, the hat, the shirt, and demonstrating my work tracking across Facebook and how I was able to like link these two people together. Um, Twenty two minutes after I posted the thread identifying Kyle, Kenosha police uh, announced that they were that they were starting an, act, an active investigation. Um, I soon added a court document to my thread about a, a traffic violation. 
uh, by someone named Kyle Rittenhouse filed a few days before the shooting. The traffic violation thing also included stuff like address, a con- which I, I, I blacked out the address for that just because sharing the uh, sharing for reasons I'll, I'll soon explain. Because, again, if, 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 it's, if, it's a tra- if it's a traffic violation, if people really want it, they can find it themselves, right? It's, it's not making it impossible to find it. And this was able to confirm that it was in the same location, um, Antioch. Um, and also, this, this proved that uh, Kyle was 17 at the time. Uh, this is how we knew that he was 17 years old at the time of the shooting, was because of this traffic violation uh, do- document found online. So the, the address on the violation document was the same one I had linked to uh, Kyle's mom by doing other like OSINT address work. I was able to find out where what wh- what her address was. Um, so so yeah, uh, I that was that was most of my work that night. Uh, it took about I don't know like two ish maybe. Well, it 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 it's hard it's hard to break up. Uh, it's timing. It 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 took about half an hour to get from the Boogaloo meme to finding the matching baseball cap on on <laughs> Kyle's mom's Facebook page. Uh, about another half hour to write out the thread, and you know about an hour of work previous to that about you know trying to find out the actual you know footage and categorize it. And okay, this is the clothing he's wearing. Here's the clothes I need. I need to look for on social media, right? See 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 if I can find these shoes, these pants, this this shirt, this hat, this bag, that kind of stuff. Um, and I was able to find enough of those items to make it pretty pretty mm-hmm. clear that it was it was you know linked, um, and that makes you Garrison one of the first people in the world to get to know un- way more about Kyle Rittenhouse than you ever wanted to know. Yeah, like, a lot yeah, more. You, th- th- this nightmare has been going on longer for you than for anybody you. else, buddy. <laughs> Other so, than his family. Yeah. Um. And so, and I, I want to note a few other ways to do image verification, specifically on Kyle, that that I didn't do, but other people did after after I after I said, "Hey, this is part of the guy." So uh, afterwards, people found other kind of evidence on Kyle's TikTok um, and Snapchat. So it turns out Kyle was Snapchatting his night in Wisconsin, um, which God. we would find out later. Dear God. So he was Snap- uh. he was Snapchatting from Kenosha. Um, and Garrison, first off, I do feel as the representative of Zoomers in in this call, why are you, why are you guys all using the Snapchats, huh? I, I, uh, don't, use, I, don't, I don't use the Snapchats. Um, well, I'm making but, you answer for the crimes of your generation. The crimes like, do you yeah. use the Snap of nope. the chat? No. Well, technically speaking, I have one friend who I only talk to through Snapchat, and we both only use it for that, and we don't know why we use Snapchat Yeah, for it, there's but... a few people who are like Snapchat people who only text through Snapchat, and I don't Fast I don't get it. it. Yeah, except, except neither of us are like that. We just, just download just signal. Specifically there. Just got signal. Anyway, so, yeah, the Snapchat, there's also uh, TikTok. Um, there was a footage of, uh, of Kyle attending a Trump rally at TikTok. Also, him, like, assembling... And testing out his gun was on a Snapchat. I believe uh, a clips of it were also shared on TikTok. So yeah, I could have gotten a lot more closer details of the gun if if I looked on if 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 I looked on Snapchat or or TikTok. Um, and I think if, if this is this is good advice that I've taken since then, and for other people looking to do this stuff, if if a suspect looks young, um, you know, Snapchat and TikTok might be or and, and Instagram might be apps that are worth mm. che- are, are worth checking out for information. As opposed to like Facebook, right? I Fair. lucky lucky enough, there was enough stuff on Facebook on this instance. T- 
typically probably because you know Kyle's family was conservative, so and he was conservative, so higher chance of being on Facebook there. But you know, in general, if someone's younger, maybe look on y y younger apps. Um, but yeah, um, so you know, good thing to think about. You know, whenever these like chaotic, panicked moments happen, you know, misinformation can spread very, very quickly. Um, cannot stress enough how dangerous and irresponsible it is when a suspect uh, is named without proper verification. Um, you know, uh, last last September, uh, uh, Ian Miles Chong falsely identified a suspect in the shooting of two LA police officers. Uh, this resulted in the falsely accused guy, a man, and receiving mi many death threats online. I think uh, Ian Miles Chong did this like again a few months later. He 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 was doing this a lot last year. He was doing a, he was really bad about trying to identify people. Um, but you know, doing solid solid verification work is possible, but extreme caution needs to be taken. Um, I need to be very mindful of the consequences of your actions when, when you're doing this work. Yeah, I also want to put out, Gar Garrison is very good at this. That That's why it took two hours, two and a half hours. It's going to take you It longer. takes a lot longer. Yeah, like, honestly, yeah. like, I was surprised, like, it, finding Kyle was just the right mix of things in one moment. Often it doesn't, often it, it doesn't go that fast, and it, it doesn't need to be, right? Like, a big, a big no. part of the problem is that if people think about it needing to be, like, a fast-paced thing, that's where, that, that's where, like, the mistakes happen. I was just lucky to have enough do like dominoes fall in the right place to I I I'd identify Cal the night of having having his neighbor say hey this guy looks similar to my neighbor extremely useful in 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 in, in long run right like th that happened faster than that happens in a lot of cases and so that know, really ex accelerated things sometimes it will be easy sometimes like a good example of when it's harder we have a decent amount of footage about the individual who placed yes. bombs outside of the, the capital DNC bomber and the RNC yeah. but before the sixth. Um, that person has not been identified, and the fucking but, FBI seems to have no goddamn clue. But also, what like. they were way more intentional in they what were they were wearing. They were very smart. Whoever yeah. they are, they're very capable. They were the, the um, only, just only thing that we have on like, them is their shoes, basically. Those are those are kind of the poles of this, right? On one, like the, with with Rittenhouse, you've got this situation where it's like all of the information you need to identify them is there openly online. Um, and part of opsec, if you're doing things that are crimes. Um, is to make sure that is like, to limit that <laughs> that that whatever it is you are going to to the to the crimes in um, there nothing exists on the internet that connects that to your name and face and that do, yeah. that doesn't um, that doesn't always mean black block that can mean no. other clothing <laughs> especially if you've been photographed in black block a bunch yeah and I think like if you look at if you look at um uh, the guy who dropped off bombs on January sixth he's he's not wearing black block because black block draws attention he's wearing like a grays no, I will um I will he's he's wearing like a, he's like a hood that guy that well that individual person is either a former Fed or a former special forces they were very um, capable yeah leaning towards Fed who showed up in clothing they had never worn worn before and paid for used in cash probably from a variety of places. Um, that clothing was burned as soon as they got away. They were out of the state uh, as early as it was possible to do so. Plant them and then immediately get out. Like, um, and you know, by the time the capital, right? By the time their bombs had been found, they were they were gone. if they were smart, I mean, gone. You know, yeah. Like yeah. that's how. It, it, anyway, whatever. Like, so those are the kind yeah. of the poles. So, like, uh, oftentimes it can be a, if someone knows what they're doing. This this process can be a lot harder. Like in the case of yeah. the of the people the, of of the guy who left the bombs at the Capitol. Um, yeah. You know, Kyle was not. You know, wasn't wearing much identifying clothing. Wasn't even wearing a mask because COVID was for cucks. Um, so you know, there's a, a lot of these things that that made this process um, 
you know, easier than a lot of a lot of other verifications. But like I said, there still was a lot of false IDs going around that night. Um, yeah, and you know, so I'm it, kind it of, still happens. I'm kind of on the fence myself as to whether or not it would have been safer, like for our country or the society or whatever you want to call it. If um, like how much more damage or less damage would have been done if Kyle Rittenhouse had been someone who showed up in impeccable like uh, clothing that c- he could not be identified from fucking ran off and was never caught. And we just knew there was the shooting of protesters in Kenosha um, by somebody um, like I don't know how much better or worse that is for society if that happens. I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm thinking about terrible things but sorry first off i want to apologize sometimes talking about this stuff winds up seeming like advice for how to commit crimes uh that's not the intent it's just when you talk about what makes something difficult to identify you're kind of by default talking about like here's how to here's how to get commit a crime and get away with it um and it's the kind of thing like if you're doing verification work one of the things that helps is to kind of put yourself in the mindset of somebody who okay if i'm in this situation and i do this um, what are the decisions that I might make afterwards? Um, and and you can kind of try to uh, think through this person. Like it can be helpful, especially if you're trying to like track someone through a day. So you know someone was at this point at a protest at X hour because they shot somebody. Um, it you know think through okay what else happened that day? Were there other protests? Were there other gatherings? Like or is this one in a series of events? Can I go look for you know videos from other things in the area that this person yeah. might have also been at and might have worn the same clothing? Um, there's a anyway. Image verification is is fun. Catch the fever. Um, it's, it is it is a fun thing to do. It's good to do. if 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 you're not able to attend in person demos for like met, like physical reasons or whatever or like mental reasons. Uh, doing this stuff from home is is another way of getting involved, uh, especially for you know tracking down. S- bad people after they, after they do bad things. <laughs> yeah. Um, um so uh, uh, you can, you know, if you want to learn more about this with, you know, the benefit of also uh visual aids, um Bellingcat has if you just type image verification Bellingcat, there's uh, beginners and advanced guides to verification. Yep. Um there's talk about like manual reverse image search tools and like how well they work. There's quizzes. So Go go there if you if you find this interesting. Um, it it can be quite a hoot. Um, but you know what else is quite a hoot? Ending a goddamn podcast, which I'm doing now. We're done. Goodbye. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I am the ferryman. 
In the shadows of the afterlife, the Ferryman of Souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. All 12 episodes of The Passage are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Ding dong, Las Culturistas calling. iHeart Podcast Awards 2023 Podcast of the Year, Las Culturistas, with SNL's Bowen Yang and comedian Matt Rogers. There's stuff happening in 2024 that we really need to address. Pop culture and huge guests like the latest episode with... Dua Lipa! The more I think about it, the more scared and nervous I get. Listen to the newest episode of Las Culturistas with Dua Lipa and all episodes on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Las Culturistas to start listening. Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. On NPR's new podcast, Wild Card, we have ripped up the typical script. It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wildcard on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to America. Why? It's not great. Here's you... a podcast. All right. This is it. This is it. Could happen here. The podcast. Welcome. It, it to, is. If you're an international listener and you're not American, that was really get rude. the fuck off of that our podcast. Rude. Just like yeah. you just left people out like you that, just, Robert. Are you going to do one for every other country? I think they're being rude for barging in. The internet is clearly American soil. Um, I, I would pay good money for a wacko sings, but with Robert saying all the country, all <laughs> the countries too. of the world. Me too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> well. You know what you need to do in order to be able to pay good money for something, Garrison. Wow! You, you need to you need to you need to get money by by working. Well, I was, was going to say, say you need robbery. to be born rich, but if you're oh. not born rich, you have to work. And a lot yeah. of people are saying, "What if we did? What if we didn't?" And now they have a subreddit, and that's what we're talking about today: anti-work. Uh, not just the subreddit, but that's why we're talking about it today because the anti-work subreddit. Has grown hugely. Um, and it's got like a million. It's or it's it's like doubled. It's been around it's, for years. It's more it recent, than doubled. It's it's yeah, almost in a month, it's almost in the space of a month. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 gr- well, well, I'll I have the numbers for later. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um. So Garrison, why don't you kick us off now that I've let everyone know what to expect? I will stop <laughs> working. Um. In solidarity with the anti-work movement. Thanks, Robert. Um. You're welcome. So yeah, uh, if, if the the past few months, if you're anything like us, um, and and if you're online in the same ways that we are, you've you've probably seen like a flurry of uh, of posts and screenshots depicting text conversations between like an employee and their boss. Uh, typically, the boss like asks them to come in when they said they're gonna have have to be have to have having to have time off or something. The employee uh, objects. The boss then gets mad and makes threats mm-hmm. and demands the employee be a better team player or some bullshit like that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then, like, the employee says something like, well, you know what? Actually, I quit. Good luck filling the shift now. Bye. 
And then the boss like pleads that the now former employee comes back and offers like concessions. And end of screenshot. So pretty soon this type of like screenshotted text conversation became like a meme format with, with people joking and obviously like staging fake ones as well. Uh, you know, similar to the scene I just d- described, but 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 by all accounts, this trend started incredibly, like sincerely, with with genuine text conversations showcasing like worker abuse, um, and and uh, you know bosses being unreasonable and cruel, um, and some people quitting their jobs to to stand up for themselves, and um, all this stuff is kind of tied up in the worker shortage kind of myths. That the have Great been... Resignation, as a, <laughs> as a lot of pundits are calling it. Yeah. Yes, yeah, of, of, of people of, of people resigning, and then you know a lot of like big companies complaining about worker shortages, um, and and central to this like text conversation online kind of meme trend thing, and and, and employee resignations is a subreddit called Anti Work. So the anti-work subreddit has, has been a growing place, specifically the past year. Um, their motto is "Unemployment for all, not just for the rich." Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's a good a, motto. They, it is a good. good motto. It is it is a solid. <laughs> it's a solid motto. Yeah. Of uh, their their uh, their own like a uh, description is uh, a subreddit for those who want to end work, are curious about ending work, want to get the most out of a work-free life, want more information on anti-work ideas, and want personal help with their own jobs slash work-related struggles. So back in back in February, um, it only it, the, the 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 subreddit's been around since like 2013. Uh, but, but back in February, it had like 235,000 um uh, subs. And now it has over 1.1 million. Um, it's grown. M- most of that growth has been in like the past two months. Uh, it, it has kind of kind of exploded in popularity. Um, and actually, it got it, it it got so big, and there's so many posts on it that they have to they had they had, now they have to like restrict text message conversation screenshots to only being allowed to be posted like on one day a week, uh, just because of the intense influx of of these posts. You know, some of them. Genuine, others maybe not so much. Um, and e- and even though the subreddit may not be the biggest in terms of like subscribers, um, it's it has more like daily posts than something like the Wall Street Bets subreddit has. So even though it doesn't have as many subscribers, the amount of actual like posting on it is 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 higher than a lot of other subreddits as well. So it is it is growing in popularity, abs like. In, in 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 multiple ways, it, it it feels a little bit right now like the social media equivalent of a sto- of a sort of Damocles. Like Wall Street bets made a not insignificant uh, uh, splash earlier this year. It was it was quite a thing for the the, the national economy for a little while there. Um, and anti work hasn't had that moment, but I kind of feel like it might be getting close to critical mass. Like something. Something might come out of this, um, yeah. Which I think would be rad. Uh, for for the record, I think would be rad. Absolutely, and you know, it, it it may not be one big thing, but it could be a lot of smaller things, right? You know, s- sometimes it's harder to see bigger change when you're like having more anarchist adjacent ideas, and 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 yeah. the and, and the anti work subreddit does does try to keep itself being a radical subreddit, and, and does try to fight off, yeah. Like, neoliberal sentiments and stuff and there have been there have been some complaints i've seen of people being like ah the liberals have gotten in and and people are talking about like well i just really want a life that's like i'm not stressed all the time and i have enough money for for bills and stuff or like people have been talking about like oh this job like i i left my old job and i got into a better situation that's good and there's complaints about that and i i think it is important to like push against de-radicalizing the subreddit but i don't think it's bad 
that you're getting a lot of liberals in there who are not turned off by the name anti-work. Um, and I, I think that's, I think it's positive that, that they're, even if they're, you know, they're not coming at it from kind of a revolutionary perspective, but, uh, Hey, it's okay to quit my job if, if the conditions are shit and try to find a place where I'm treated better. If that's their inroad to this kind of thought, I still think that's pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not realistic for every single person. Well, it actually, it is realistic for every single person to quit their job, but it's it's not realistic for only a few people to, right? Yeah. And sometimes, if if not if if everyone's not going to do it, like literally everyone, then you know some people can't can't afford to quit their job, um, right now because they have like kids to feed or whatever, um, or themselves or you know, you know there's a lot lo- there's a, a lot of reasons which I'll I'll kind of talk a little bit more about later. So, uh, and so uh, the term anti work does does not does not come from the subreddit, um. Anti-work has been like a post-left term for a while now, yes. and it kind of kind of a, a, a applies to a, a broad spectrum of like anarchist adjacent kind of uh, thought around. Hey, if we're gonna if we're gonna question like capitalism and, uh, and the state, we should probably also question just the idea of work itself and how it functions and how the state kind of works only possible with the state and and uh, it's that specific line line of thinking. Um, a, a, a few examples of like of like you know seminal anti-work books um is one of them is uh Bob Black's The Abolition of Work um Crime Think has a really good book just called Work which is an, another another one that gets referenced a lot even even in the subreddit and uh, also uh, Bullshit Jobs by David Graeber and uh Bullshit Jobs was also kind of partially inspired by Bob Black's The The Abolition of Work um all of those are are great resources and uh, specifically, like bullshit jobs is great in like a in like a for a modern outlook on this. Like Bob Black's book was written was written a while ago, and bullshit jobs is definitely very timely. And even 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 Crime Thinks workbook also also addresses this stuff. Or even though it's wasn't not written within the past, I I I think it is maybe slightly older than than a decade. But I I think they they are updating it with more information about like the gig economy and stuff like that. Yeah, and it's it's not. As it's characterized and as as anti-work is often characterized by critics, it's not saying, like, nobody should have to do anything. In a way, it's not actually – we'll talk about Diogenes later. Um, But it's not everyone should just, like, lay around and do nothing. It's people shouldn't have to do the thing that we call work, which is destroy your body or your mind or both uh, most of your waking hours, most of your life in the hope that you'll get 10 years as an old person – uh, to not do that, like and and and, and a little bit that, that that's bad. That's a bad way to be a person. Like a bad way to have to be. It's not bad to do that. It's it's bad that you have to do that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I mean, and and there is a there is a little bit of it that is about finding time to chill out. Um, well, sure, absolutely. Which, which, which yeah. is going to apply a lot of you know a lot of the ways. If you have to keep a job, you know the different ways you can you can go about that job that do does that makes it so it doesn't like kill you. One of my favorite ways to think about anti-work is just like anti-capitalism put into actual practice. So instead mm-hmm. of, you know, just debating online about anti-capitalism as some, you know, future thing. It's like, no, like, what can you do to actually, you know, make capitalism a less important part of how you live your life every day? Which mm-hmm. means, you know, not obsessing over careers and all these kind of other things. So I think, I think first of all, it might be useful to kind of think about, like, what do we actually mean by work? Because work's kind of a... Works like mm-hmm. a is it's it has a lot of definitions depend depending on what yeah. like you depend depending on like what you mean by it right is 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 it just like wage labor is it just forced labor 
um, you know, is cooking for yourself or your family considered work? Not always, but uh, you know, like at, at, at times when I, when I when I'm like relaxed, I I quite enjoy cooking for friends and family. But but yeah. certainly, but certainly, it can feel like work sometimes, especially yeah. if you especially if you just got home from like a work shift. So in a way, like work creates more work. Um, yeah, and it's it's not it's it it kind of it it's does it, it isn't just it isn't just about like wage labor or something. It, it can kind of apply to a lot of ways about how you live your life. Um, you know, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot Fucking... of laying down wood chips or sod if that's like your job every day can be like a miserable backbreaking process if you actually have a huge yard or like own a little bit of land and you're making your own garden that can be an intensely like the best part of your week it can like, be a it, great form of play yeah, yeah yeah it's it it it's not the, the the problem is not the individual tasks necessarily it's what no. work is as a yeah. as a, a a platonic kind of concept in our society yeah. Not, and, and again, one of the things, and I think this is one of the things, speaking of, you talked about David Graeber earlier, who's a, an anarchist anthropologist and widely seen to be like one of the most brilliant anthropologists of his generation. He, de- he recently deceased. But a book that he wrote before he died with a, another, uh, an, another fellow came out recently called um, The Dawn of Everything that talks a lot about how, yeah, these ideas that uh, ki- kind of capitalism has a vested interest in you believing that the world was always hard in the way that it's hard, uh, by which yeah. I mean, like, in order to get basic necessities, you have to make somebody else rich um, or find some grift of your own. And as opposed to, like, yeah, life is always hard, but life wasn't didn't always involve labor the way we, we think about it. Labor yeah. has not been a constant in human civilization. And in fact, most of human civilization, people have not done a thing that we would recognize as labor. And and I think also even even if you go towards things that like look more like labor to us, right? Like I don't know, like look look like if you look at like feudal levies, mm-hmm. right? You're a peasant, you have to give some amount of grain to your lord. But like, okay, we work way longer than medieval peasants yeah. did. And <laughs> not only do we work longer, this is like something Graeber and David Wengro talk about in that book, is like, yeah, like not only do we work much longer, like the amount that we work would have been considered absolutely like even even a feudal lord would look at that much work and go, no. Like this is this is this is like yeah, and and you know and yeah. I think there's there's another Graeber has, an, has another point. Um, he he wrote a piece called uh, "Turning Modes of Production Inside Out," where he has this argument that like okay, so if if you take, you know, if you take like Plato, right? You're like you take any of the Greek philosophers, even the conservative ones, and you show them this the, the thing the thing that we do every day, right? You you know you have you you're 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 completely under the command of another person. For mm-hmm. like at least a third, probably more of your day. Yeah, I monitor you and Garrison's bathroom breaks. Um, yep. I look at your texts with family and friends. Um, it's it's really not it's a good situation. Yeah, it's an incredibly strict surveillance state. Mm-hmm. From, yeah, from Robert Evans. Yeah, yeah. This is like like you know if if you show a Greek person that this is like this is the apocalypse to them. This is this is the worst thing that could possibly happen. Is every single person in society has it, like essentially been reduced to a slave? And, you know, that's bad, and it doesn't have to be like that. It's not that they've been, because I, I want to push back on that terminology, because it can go to some un- uncomfortable places. It's not that they are treated as a slave. It's that in the hours in which they are expected to labor, there's a societal expectation that they they act as the property of whoever owns the business or manages them. 
right? The yeah, idea well, of like yeah. if it if it like the, the, that attitude from like like working in a kitchen or, or, or working at a fast food restaurant, like if you lean, if you're lean, if you can lean, you can clean. Like that attitude is saying you do not have any autonomy when you are yeah. at work. You are the property of the of the employer while you are at work. Um, I think yeah, that's, and and, yeah. I, and I think and I think you know, but I think the specific thing with Greece is that like you know, you the only way you could do that to someone in Greece is if you owned them. Yeah, like you know, I'm mean, like Greece has wage labor, right? But the the only people who like it has wage labor, but it has wage labor for slaves, and that's like yeah. it, right? Like it, it this. You know, and this is this is not like obviously not to say that like you know we're like having a job is the same thing as slavery, but it, it's just to say that like the the kinds of things that we think of as normal, like are things that like the people who you know the, the people who run the system, the people who you know get cited all the time to justify stuff would have looked at as like the worst thing that could possibly have happened to a society. Yeah, sure, for sure. Like daily life for a very substantial chunk of of the American workforce is a would be a nightmare to large percentages of the the human population prior to uh, the modern period. Like, it's it's, and 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 if you think about it that way, like one of the things Graeber does a good job of going into um, uh, is like the way in which. Uh, and this is also something that comes up in, in in Tribe by Younger, the way in which, like, during the early period of uh, colonization of North America, um, it was very common for, you know, Europeans to leave the the cities and, and towns being established behind um, and, and join up with indigenous groups. And join with the tribes, groups. yeah. The reverse never happened. Like, yeah. it, like <laughs> not willingly, not without kidnapping being a part of it. Um, and it's because, like, their attitude was they were looking at the, the lives these people were living in these cities and like, well, why would you agree to do that? <laughs> and um, this is turning, anyway, Garrison, you should, you should take us back on the rails. This but, is getting more in first- like... It's but time, first, it's time for products and services. You know what has nothing to do with the fact that human beings uh, are forced to labor for basic necessities in order to keep up a system that steals the freedom of the many in order to provide impossible liberty to the few. You know what isn't related to that? You sure? The advertising yep, absolutely. industrial complex. <laughs> Not has nothing to do with it. Totally unrelated. Why would you say that, Garrison? By the way, did you know that McDonald's egg muffin is turning fifty years old and it's giving the breakfast Stop sandwich it. a price Stop to match? It. They're 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 selling it for its original price of sixty three cents during breakfast hour, six AM to ten thirty AM, uh exclusively on the McDonald's app. Um, isn't I that cannot, cool? I can't. I can't. Do you guys do you guys want egg McMuffins for sixty three cents? That's the original uh, price. I wonder what else the McDonald's app is looking at on my phone. Anyway, here's some ads. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're back, and we're talking about anti-work. We're talking about how work's kind of bullshit for our jobs. Um, yeah. Yeah. We sure are. <laughs> we That's sure are. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like, I mean, there is... There, yeah, there's sorry. a lot of people who who like enjoy stuff like gardening, fishing, carpentry, cooking, and even like you know fist like, fighting, sure, fist yeah. fighting, computer programming, just for their own sake. Like a, a, a lot of the stuff that we like, quote unquote, needs to, uh, need for uh yeah. for society to function. A lot, a lot of those things people like doing for as hobbies in their spare time. For, for example, if you're a police officer, okay. gunning down a man in cold blood might be kind of like your day job and like frustrating. And there's a lot of shit you have to deal with. If you're a oh, mass well, shooter, though, you you just um, love it. You know, you're just doing it the for the pure version. love, and it's not work. 
It's not I mean, work for a mass shooter. That, it that is, is for a cop. That, you know? that is exactly what the Kyle Rittenhouse thing is, though. Yeah, like, 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 exactly like, like, actually, like, like, literally, that that uh, is, yes, that is that, what that is. That, this is. We, we. I mean, we're not going to get the verdict today. It doesn't look like not today, um, which isn't but, a bad sign. Anyway, by the, by, by the time this airs, it may already be done. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, like a, 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 lot, a lot of people like doing those things without getting paid, and sometimes you know, often like costing themselves money. Right? A lot of these hobbies are, are uh, you know, are costly in their own in their own right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's interesting to you know think think of a society where you're able, where you're free to do those things when you feel like it, and mm-hmm. you don't need to drag yourself out of bed at uh, you know early in the morning to work a, to work a ten hour shift as like well, a cash it, register. And it's not just even when you feel like it, because there will th- be things that you have to do. Even if you I don't will discuss this later. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In any but like, yeah, like, there, but it's, there is it's other not, things. It's, it's not work if you're if you're going out and harvesting food that feeds you in your community. That's no, that's not like work in the sense that we talk about modern work. The ma- m- amount of extra energy we have by not having yeah. ten hour horrible shifts that drain ourselves mentally and physically, and more in with you know with the amount of most of the work that we people do, as shown in David Graeber's b- b- bullshit jobs, is like not necessary. Like a lot of like a lot of the work that we do as a whole is. Nonsense. Yeah, there's like, there's some it's... quibbling about because the, the book was based off of a study, like a, a survey that kind of showed a lot of a very significant chunk of the labor workforce thinks their job is like pointless and doesn't do anything. And there's been some criticisms of that. But it is undoubted that a, a very significant amount of total labor time spent is stuff that isn't necessary for I mean, any like... like reason of like making people's lives better. And another part of like anti-work theories is looking is looking at our society as it's built, you know, because it is it is tied to anarchism. Be like, how much of this is actually necessary? Like, how, do we do we really need a McRib? Like, do we do we guys? No, What do you what do you Garrison? We do not. Sophie, we do not. Sophie, call HR. No, call HR. we don't need a McRib. We do not so, need a McRib. It's about, Garrison it's, it's, is one hundred percent. No, listen to I them. did the company training, them. and they we said don't you need can't. A McRib. In, so, they the company. Tra- Training says you can't attack someone for their religion, and Garrison just attacked the McRib. So that actually is, you know, it is a religion for a lot of people. It did is. you see that they're there? They they or they they did sell a McRib NFT a few weeks ago. Um, Don't anyway, tell me that shit. That is so upsetting. God, God. damn it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Just Thanks. saying, society with no money would yeah. not have NFTs. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, so it would anyway. not. Gosh. You know, you know, think, thinking of like anti-work as as the theory. You know, it's about cutting down those those unnecessary things that fill people's time, um, and you know, and for a more you know forward forward looking sense, it's it's a general kind of like ab- like abolition of the producer and consumer based society. Um, so you know, life is not dedicated to the pr- production and consumption of of goods and commodities. Mm-hmm. So you know, this th- this applies not not just to capitalism, but also to you know like state socialism. Um, where you know work is still you know a big part of state socialism, um, and I think you know it's humans. It 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 posits a future that humans can be way 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 more free when they you know can reclaim their time from jobs and employment, um, instead of you know spending a lot of their time doing that and spending spending a lot of like not not just time but also just like their energy, right? Because even if you work you know eight hours a day, you still have majority of the day to yourself. But you're exhausted. You can't do it. You yeah. can't do much, right? It it it, it drains you of everything. So yeah. you know the, the 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 main point. One of the main points of like of the abolition of work essay by Bob Black is about like there's no one should work because because work is, is as defined as like as as like a as like a forced labor practice. Um, 
is you can kind of track this to being the source of most of the misery in the world from you know in in individual people um who are forced to do this like this is where a lot of a lot of their pain comes from um is is this is this is this forced labor concept um i think i think a good a good way you know there is you know the point that robert brought up earlier is like you know what about the tasks that aren't fun you know what about what about the stuff that isn't isn't maybe as as enjoyable um you know there's this there's, yeah. there's a list a list of things that the that standard I can, that response I go is who's going to clean up the poop right? who's going like, to clean the poop right that's that's the thing so you know i i kind of i i kind of i kind of look at this as like the i kind of kind of look at this as like whenever i have to like turn the compost which mm-hmm. is not my favorite thing to do i i, I don't look forward to having to turn over our massive shitty rotting compost pile it's not not my favorite thing um, yeah that's but, why we have the whip. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> but no, like if there's if 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 there's like friends around and we're playing music and we're all we have like some like have I have have like an iced tea or a Dr Pepper and we're like talking as we're turning the compost. It's a lot more doable, you know. It's it, there's there's yeah. It's, it's it's one task that's going to help all of us in the future. Um, and I'm not getting watched over by a boss to fill a certain quota so I can pay my rent, right? It's 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 this it's this thing that helps everybody, and I I I I and I do it because I want I want the goal of it to succeed. So there's 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 gonna there's always gonna be tasks that are less pleasant than others. Now what what we can do is you know imagine a world where the amount of work actually needed to be done is greatly reduced, so that the tasks that are necessary and some of them unpleasant can be spread out. Um, and among more people, because less people will be wasting upwards of eight hours a day, five days a week, doing mostly pointless time filling work. Because uh, yeah, there's always, there's there's gonna be things that suck, and we'll be able to do those a lot better if there's more people, and we don't have to waste our times yep. doing stuff that is is <sighs> honestly a lot more bullshit than actually scooping bullshit. Wow, what a good joke. Speaking of Thanks. scooping good bullshit. Work, it's time ba-da-ba, for ba-da-ba. it's time to scoop up some more ads. Wait, really? Haven't we done two? No, we only no, did we only did only, one. only did one. Oh, all right. We, well, we went a while without doing one. Guys, uh, listen <clears throat> to the products because everyone loves a, a, a service. It's not like the thing we're talking about is bad. <laughs> it's different than that, so it's fine. Yep, we're back and we're still still talking about anti work. Um, I, I I do. This is something that the the Crime Think Workbook uh, points out, and you know, it's a pretty it's a pretty obvious thing. I've I've certainly thought of this before. Is that you know, we've been told that the like technological progress will soon liberate humanity from the need to do work or from you know having to do work as much. Um, and today we have the capabilities that you know our ancestors couldn't have even imagined for for the amount of work that we could get done. Um, but these predictions still like aren't true. We're still working more than ever, even though we have developed so much um, technologically. We're still working more than ever, and it, I think it's silly to think that we'll 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 reach like a magic threshold where somehow now we have less work to do uh, because we'll have like I don't know like robots being a server at at a, at a McDonald's or whatever, right? We're there's still there's still is forcing people into this thing because this is the only way that we can live, right? This is we we built our whole society around getting work for money so this is the only the only thing that we can do yeah david Kraber. one of the things he's argues in bullshit jobs is that basically you know okay so so if if you have 
like you have the Soviet economy, right? Okay, so the Soviet economy has has a policy of of full employment. And for a little bit, they were like, okay, what if we make everyone work less? And then they stopped, and then like everything went to shit. So you know, okay, but if 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 you can't make people work less hours and everyone has to work, what do you do? It was like, okay, well, you pay a bunch of people to like stand at a doorway, right? Now we also do this, and one of one of Graeber's like funniest points that he brings up is that the the, the total number of bureaucrats in the ex-USSR like increased dramatically after uh, the USSR fell, which is incredible yeah and you know what it points to is that like yeah you know graber called this total bureaucratization which is that you know what what we did instead of like giving ourselves more free time is created this just like endless enormous incredibly violent bureaucracy that all of us have to spend all of our time like dealing with bullshit from our insurance companies and like fighting with like the comcast service person and all of this just like you know incredibly violent dehumanizing stuff that you know it, 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 it's it's a make work program right it's, but it's a make work program that just the work that it makes is everyone is making everyone's lives miserable and we could just not do this mm-hmm. yeah i mean we could we, uh, it, it, it's always more complicated than that right because the the thing that is when we talk about anti-work the thing that's on the other side of this is like okay well what if you get a kid how are you going to yeah. feed that kid? Like, what if, a, yeah. What if, like, yeah, how are you going to keep him in a house? Like, how are, this is, and not just if you have a kid, but like, yeah, you people die in our society when they do not have access to adequate resources. And the only way to have access to adequate resources is to be born rich or to work. Those are your options. Yeah, this is um, why I think without, we, without robust mutual aid and a commitment by a lot of people to try to make sure that a lifestyle is sustainable outside of, you know, this system, like it's not impossible, but it, it's somewhere along the line, there has to be input. I mean, yeah, like be, we, we've been talking about anti, squat and be a freegan, but yeah, we, we've been talking about anti work as like as kind of like a broad, hopeful, like future goal in some mm. other, you know, post scarcity. Well, not not post scarcity, but it, like it's post like a post crumbling, post kind of collapse future. But I think you know, for us now, as you know, the anti work subreddit is about people now, right? The anti work subreddit yeah. is not about a future world. I think the anti work now is like an alternative to the obsession with living your life with the goal of a career. Um, yes. It's about, you know, it's, it's like a project to radically reframe the how we think of work and leisure. Um, it's like 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 a cognitive antidote to like the, the to like this culture of like hustle and hard work, which is like taken over our minds and, and, and our time. So if like, yes. for, for, for those who can't just yeah. resign from their job for whatever reason, whatever moment, the, the, the anti-work is about like, thinking of this movement as like the antithesis to the mainstream capitalist hustle culture, you know, that, that includes like slacking off more, finding ways to waste time, possibly even finding ways to steal or scam your boss. I, I've, I've read certain, certain alleged uh, ways of doing this inside the anti-work. Yeah. Garrison's subreddit. had my car for days. I don't <laughs> even know where, where they got it from, but yeah. <laughs> no, but like, you know, like there is, you know, like ways to like scam, scam whatever corporation you work for, right? That, that, there's, there's been examples shared in the anti-reddit, in, in, in the anti-work subreddit. So, you know, it's about actually like finding, you know, making sure that you hate your work because you should, and then figuring out how to live your life with that in mind. And I think what, what, one of the really hard parts about this is for people who like kind of like their job. People who are like, who like either like their job or think it's like kind of important or like they're special to have it, right? It's like, oh, you're like, I'm lucky to have su- such a good job. Because like when you're stuck in that mindset, 
you can often put in like a lot of extra unpaid labor because you think oh, it's yeah. important because you're like oh no this is worth doing because it's going to have some like benefit to the world so you end up like putting in actually more work that you, you don't actually get paid for and like it's about trying to like kill that instinct as well so that's a, a whole a whole way to think about like working because like we're going to be stuck a lot of people are going to be stuck doing it for a, for for a while so how can yeah. we kind of reframe what we do on the job and how kind of jobs live in our minds when we are at home and and I, I think the best thing about what you've said, in my opinion, is the idea that like this is not the importance is not on whether or not this this it causes everyone to stop having to work immediately, like whether or not it leads to, uh, you know, directly to like the, the measure of success of this movement isn't that nobody ever has to work again. That's a that's a long term goal. The yeah. measure of the success of this movement is that people accept in mass that no. The American dream, as it's sold to people, is not a good thing. To It's not a thing to aspire to. Work is bullshit, and we should aspire to a society that doesn't do it. It's getting back, honestly, like it's getting back to some of the shit that people were talking about in like when the Jetsons was on TV. The idea that like, well, with labor-saving devices, the like a hard work week will be four hours, and like that's the way life will be for everybody. And like um, – and the it, it's the acceptance that like no a better future involves me not having it involves no one having to spend forty hours a week of their limited human life working at a fucking Sonic or like listening yeah. to some middle manager berate them for not answering phones fast enough. Um, that doesn't exist for any human being in a a world that is achievable and better than the one that we live in. Like convincing people of that and getting that to be widely accepted. Is I think what I think what is what I would consider the terms of victory in in this particular struggle. Yeah, kind of moving on from this side of things into like the Great Resignation and the other kind of things that people are doing. So um, in in August alone, four point three million Americans voluntarily left their jobs, um, and the rate of people quitting uh, increased to a uh, a, a, a decent a, a decent uh, record high of like uh, 2.9% according to the uh, Bureau of Labor and Statistics. So, and this, this 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 has been a growing trend. You can look at like, I think June was like a like a little under 4 million. Uh, August was 4.3. So like, it was, you know, it's it's ramping. I, I, I don't know what, uh, if, I don't know if we have data for September or, or October yet. This was the most recent one I could find. Um, so yeah, like it's stuff, stuff is, stuff is going up. People are, because people are like, a, a big part of the anti-work cyber is like, yeah, if your job sucks, you can quit it and probably find another one that pays better in decent time, especially, especially, especially right now. Like right now, if your job is really terrible, you have a decent chance of finding a better one. Um, this wasn't the case like two years ago. Um, it is the case at, at, at this moment. So a, a lot of the anti-work cyber it's like, yeah, quit your job, like say fuck you to your boss and leave uh, because if they're being shitty, then they, they don't deserve to have you. Um, yeah. So resigning has been been a big part of this, and there had there has been attempts at other kind of organized stuff, and this kind of falls in, in my opinion, this kind of falls into the same kind of traps as sole internet organizing kind of always does. So the the big thing that they're organizing for is called uh, Black Friday Blackout, which is about kind of trying to get everyone to as many people as possible to not work Black Friday. Um, and not buy anything on Black Friday. Um, so, like a, a, a post from the subreddit here is like, "Spread the word. Call in sick if you're forced to work black on Black Friday. Spend time with your family instead. Remain at home and participate in your favorite activity on Friday, November 26th. Talk to your family and friends about about your work life struggles. Pass out flyers. Join r slash anti work. Um, so 
this is, you know, I think this kind of falls into the same, like, you know, general strike organized online stuff that we talked about before, how kind of like a lack of like real, like in-person solidarity and like non-internet, you know, networking and organizing results and stuff like this, just, you know, like proposed like one day yeah. strikes or actions that are ultimately kind of non-effectual, right? Like they yeah. can be like a good symbol sometimes, but like, you know, they're not, it's, it's not, it's not really going to matter that much, even, even if it works. Would I think it'd be cool if literally no store was open on Black Friday because everyone quit? Yeah, that would be rad. But that's, that's not, I don't, that's not going to really happen. Um, it, it would be fun if it did, but like realistically, it's, it's not, it's not going to happen. And there is people on the subreddit who also point this out. There, there, there was, there was a, a reply to this post that was like, oh, look, an, another online call for a general strike with no union support whatsoever. Don't worry, y'all. This one's, this one's definitely going to work. Um, so it's like, yeah, like uh, there, a lot of people in the sub also recognize that like without like actual like organizing support um, and in-person stuff and, you know, networks to support people on like, you know, lengthy strikes, these types of things are kind of are, are mostly symbolic actions that will have, you know, in the end, little, little impact. Um, they they may make you feel powerful as you're doing them, which is you know which is good. That is a, a lot of activism is actually just just about you feeling powerful in that moment. Um, but you know, in, as as an end goal, it's remember it's important to be remember to think like it's not it's this isn't you know this isn't gonna reach whatever anti work utopia. Which I I I know people people organizing it aren't thinking that. But you no. know, it's 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 important to keep this within context of like the limits of of of, of online organizing. You know. So yeah. a, lo a lot of people like recommend, you know, focusing on organizing your own workplace and community, um, discussing, you know, discussing, having discussions with, with unions kind of in, in your area. Um, and yeah, a, a, a part, part of, part of kind of the, part of the reply to, to this original, like a uh, Black Friday blackout post that, that someone, that someone wrote was, was, uh, uh, seriously though, I, I would love for an actual general strike to kick off, but these online calls for general strikes with no union involvement, no demands, no supports for strikers of any kind, no nothing whatsoever beyond social media hashtags don't do anything. Focus on organizing your workplace and your community. Discuss with unions, which might be sympathetic to what criteria uh, what criteria they might need from such a drastic action. There's a lot of unions on strike right now, so if there ever was a time to kick one off, it's now. Most general strikes in the past started off with specific strikes that started pulling in other unions and solidarity than anything else. Focus on that, and we might get somewhere. Which I think is is a, de is a decent advice for mm -hmm. the people who are really dedicated onto this kind of like g general strike thing. Is yeah, that is that is that is um pretty pretty good advice in in my opinion. I, I want to say something kind of briefly, just in general about general strikes because. I think we've talked about it a lot on here, but like they're really, really hard. I mean, there, there, there's, yeah. there's an example, like, and I, like just, to, just to get a picture of how, like how, how actually hard it is to pull off. Um, it, there was, there was one in Sudan in, in, in summer of 2019, and you know, I mean, this, this is in the middle of a revolution, right? The, the, like, every, like the Sudan is incredibly highly organized, it's incredibly militant. People have been like, you know, I mean, people like the, 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 like. The chant in the street is like, uh, "You cannot kill us. We are already dead." Like, you know, they and you know, and and it's it, the the whole revolution is being led by the Sudanese Professional Association, which is an association of like seventeen trade unions, right? So this this is a population that is enormously better organized than like anything really that exists in the U.S. And you know, in in, in the middle of the summer, the army opens fire and starts killing protesters, and so they call a general strike. And, you know, the, the turnout is massive, right? They have millions, millions upon millions of people show up to the strike. 
and on day one it's successful and then on day two of the strike people start having to pull out especially people in the informal sector because even with the level of organization they have they can't support everyone and by about day three most of the strike has collapsed because even even with levels of organization they had even with you know the coordination even with the fact that they're in the middle of a revolution they just they they couldn't support particularly the people in the informal sector so th- this stuff is really 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 hard and yeah it know, is even, it even, is definitely even, hard even, yeah like even even highly organized highly motivated people who are you know like literally willing to fight to the death will lose and that's that's something that you have to sort of Keep yeah, in mind that's what I when, think when you're talking about this because a lot of people are more focused on kind of their individual resignations, finding other ways of making money, and just slacking off at work in general because those yeah. are a lot a lot easier than trying to organize a general a mass general strike right now. And I think one one of the really optimistic things about this whole anti work thing, inclu- inclu- including the subreddit, is that it has made some bank executives kind of nervous. Yeah. Um, there was a fantastic article by Yahoo Finance. Now, by fantastic, I mean funny for me. You know, they, they they did not think it was as funny. Um, about uh, they talked with like the the Goldman Sachs CEO, um, and uh, and he, they pointed to uh, the anti work subreddit of being what was the what was the phrase um, a long run risk to to <laughs> to labor force participation. Good. <laughs> this is see that that when I first read that in the article, I just like flashed. To my head, in my head, to that scene from uh, Starship Troopers, where uh, Neil Patrick Harris puts his hand on the brain bug and goes, <laughs> "It's afraid, it's yes. afraid." Yeah, yeah. He he, he said, um, uh, "We see some risk that workers were elected will elect to maintain out of the workforce for longer, provided they can afford to do so." Um, pretty pretty good stuff. And and pretty I think good another, stuff. And another thing that's worth mentioning that hasn't been talked about very much is that. So this is actually kind of working in some sense. Like the the the, the last few months, or especially twenty twenty in general, the last few months in particular, have seen basically like the highest levels of wage increases that we've seen in decades. So you know, like yeah, yeah we, we haven't overthrown capitalism yet, but like if if you can keep quitting your job, keep quitting your job at at your regular job, work less, keep doing it, it's working. <laughs> yeah, this is stuff I wish we, we need to. In the future, I, I would like us to be focusing more on stuff like that. Like this, that is a legitimately, as you point out, Chris. There's a lot of reasons to be very optimistic about about some of the numbers that we're getting uh, uh, from what is happening to labor right now. Um, and it is important, as we all like right now, we're all miserable because we're sweating through the Rittenhouse case. It is important to talk about stuff like that. That like, yeah, some shit people's doing is 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 hitting home. Some motherfuckers have found the glowy vulnerable spot on the the boss monster and it's it's Turns doing it's the just weird not working yeah it's just not working yeah like again as we started the series with like yeah general strike is is kind of the best available solution yeah um or path to a solution uh that i can find um but anyway uh what 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 what, what else I we think, got garrison i, th- I we, think that, that does it for us today i know is that a sode chris, chris has casted? Chris yeah, has we'll some do more. special, some special like sequel stuff mm-hmm. happening. Uh, so tune in uh, tomorrow yeah. for our for listeners. anti-work in China. And, and for, like like yeah, all of the best lit. sequels, this one will be directed by James Cameron. Um, <laughs> so we're all very excited um, to bring our pal James onto the pod. To, to bring our pal James and the reanimated corpse of Stan Winston. Um, it's going to be amazing. Oh so check it out. <laughs> 
Bye. Bye, everybody. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. All 12 episodes of The Passage are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Ding dong, Las Culturistas calling. iHeart Podcast Awards 2023 Podcast of the Year Las Culturistas with SNL's Bowen Yang and comedian Matt Rogers. There's stuff happening in 2024 that we really need to address. Pop culture and huge guests like the latest episode with Dua Lipa. The more I think about it, the more scared and nervous I get. Listen to the newest episode of Las Culturistas with Dua Lipa and all episodes on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Las Culturistas to start listening. Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. On NPR's new podcast, Wild Card, we have ripped up the typical script. It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wildcard on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Fuck work! Uh, hey, 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 hey. Good introduction. Yeah. I'm Robert Evans. This is It Could Happen Here. That was Chris. Garrison's also here. So is Sophie, uh, who, is, who is changing her name to... Sophie, what is your new name? Uh, Sophie.com Arena. Sophie.com Arena. She's doing this to deal with the trauma of the fact that Los Angeles just agreed to change the name of the Chase Bank Arena to Crypto.com. Chase Bank, motherfucker! It's Staples Center! <laughs> oh, Staples Center. Sorry, I'm getting God. my arenas named after venal brands <laughs> mixed up. <laughs> Yeah, why couldn't anyway, people buy more binder clips? So speaking of the pointlessness of work, there are people laboring right now who worked at Staples so that Staples would have enough money to name a place where people go do sports after a place where people get fucking pencils. Um, 
Or and now books. Staples has declined enough that it's just crypto.com. Fucking crypto.com. Fucking crypto.com. <laughs> look upon I, look I, upon ye, the works so of cryptocurrency, <laughs> ye formerly mighty Staples in despair. <sighs> Fucking the Osmondius of the office supply world. I don't know. Whatever. All right, Chris, all right, we're what gonna, are we talking about? We're, we're, we're talk going about to Diogenes a place. yet? No, Dodge comes in the middle, but right now right, we're, we're, right. we're going to go to a all place right. where they, they, they banned crypto mining for the most part. So, and that, that place is China. And I, I wanted to talk about specifically a lot of stuff that's been going on the Chinese internet and what's been going on in Chinese labor because, so, so Garrison, Garrison told me we we're doing an Etsy work episode and I went, oh yeah, there's a, there's, you know, there, there's a version of this in China. And then I realized that like, A, almost no one has heard of lying flat and B, it rules and see that nobody really know in the U S knows what's going on in the Chinese internet because it's effectively siloed. And I mean, you know, there's, 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 there's lots of different ways to silo. I mean, there's, there's literally the great firewall. There's the fact that it's in different languages, people use different apps and, you know, the, the internet's become this sort of like, you know, it's, 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 it's a bunch of bubbles garden. that don't interact with each other. Yeah. The walled garden thing. And it's, you know, the, 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 the sort of national level walled garden stuff is, I think in a lot of ways, way more dangerous than, the stuff you know the like people complaining about everyone sucking ideological bubble and like that's bad but the fact that we have bubbles like this where it's like you know the like with, with, with like actual like basically borders but online yeah you know, yeah because they're enforced by yeah. governments and with force yep. and yeah 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 yep. yeah yeah the place it was always going to go um once we decided not to be rad with the internet which everyone collectively decided in i'm going to say 2004 okay yeah. Do you, do you think do you think do do you think do you think that was 9/11's fault? 9/11 played a role. 9/11 did play a role. Um the dot com boom played another yeah. role. Um yeah. there were there, there there were a new a number of factors. Um but uh we can all blame it on let's blame it on low tax and continue. So, anti-work in China. Um before we get into lying flat, which is China's Version of anti-work isn't the right word because this actually started a few months before sort of anti-work blew up in the U.S. But before we fully get into that, I, to, to understand what's going on here, we need to talk about something called involution. What, and could you say that again? Like what, in, in, info? Invo, involution. Invo. Invo. Involution. Involution. Okay. Yeah. So right. this this is this is this is originally this is a very obscure anthropological term developed by my old nemesis Clifford Geertz, who's one of the most famous and most important anthropologists in history who also sucks ass and I hate him. I um, thought your nemesis was Noam Chomsky. I, yes, also, but for different reasons. So sub. should I cancel the hit? Sub, sub nemesis. Sub yeah. I, I have many, I have many nemeses that I have developed. Oh God, we need a Jody Dean episode at some point. Um, Those are our enemies too now. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate yeah. allies in my one person intellectual wars. <laughs> Although this does seem to be a pretty boring intellectual war. Yeah, well, most, he's dead, so I've won the, most by of default. The yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so what, 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 what Gears was describing, basically, so he does his field work in Java, and what he's describing, what, what involution means, is it's a system where people keep working harder and harder, but there's no increase in output, and so that there's no there's no reward for working harder. And so, you know, in, in Java, you'd have these plantations, right? And the plantations would get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, but... Because each new person was only like harvesting just enough to feed themselves, uh, you never actually got any productivity increases, and so, Interesting. you know, yeah, there's no there's no output increases, and 
which is in, not, in not the, really the case in America in a lot of ways. Yeah, and, and what, what's interesting, well, okay, so the, the reason I want to talk about this also is because basically everyone who's been writing about this from major news outlets has missed about half of the story of how how this like incredibly obscure anthropological term that like, I, I don't, like, again, I was an anthropology major. I don't think I ever ran into involution while, like, while I was studying anthropology. Yeah, I've never heard that term. Yeah, and no, no one has ever heard of this. Like, fucking everyone in China has, like, a, it, it, like a treatise they can spout at you about this now. Um, Interesting. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I want to talk a bit about how it emerged. And part of this is because, you know, in the last about two years, people have been getting increasingly pissed off at, you know, just the sort of incredibly competitive nature of Chinese society and particularly work. And, you know, a lot of this is because everyone's working what's what's called 996, which is 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. six days a week. And actually, I should make this good. When I say everyone, that's like an average schedule. The schedules get a lot worse than that. But 996 is the one that sort of gets the attention because a lot of people work it, especially in the tech industry. This is, you know, yeah. this is what we do. But, you know, everyone focuses on the tech industry. Everyone ignores a bunch of migrant workers who also do this and worse. And, you know, there, there's this enormous societal pressure to sort of keep moving and keep competing and keep working. And simultaneously, you know, people in China today are working like basically as hard as anyone's worked in China since like people would literally collapse from exhaustion in the field during the Great Leap Forward. Like, you know, that, that's lots of people working this hard. And, but, but instead of, you know, getting rewards for this, uh, Chinese growth rates have been collapsing for a decade. And, yeah, this is, you know, this is a, this is a thing you, you get in the U.S. too. It's like, well, okay, people were like, well, if you work hard, you get into the middle class. But then, you know, everyone's working 996. No one's getting into the middle class. The Like, China has incredibly low rates of social mobility. And, you know, in, in, into this comes involution. But the, the weird part about what's happening here is that involution doesn't enter the, the, the Chinese discourse through, like, people complaining about work. It's it's actually a product of a bunch of middle class people complaining about Chinese industrial policy, and this is the part of the story that nobody really talks about. Even though I think it's it's really interesting because, again, like this, you know, anti work in in the U.S. starts on the left, right? Involution, which is the thing that's going to bring about sort of the Chinese version of anti work, is a right wing is originally a right wing discourse, um, and 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 it's interesting because it's it's a, a right wing very nationalist discourse that gets. You know, the right wing part of it gets essentially expunged and it gets pulled left. So originally, you know, China is, uh, I don't have a more elegant way of saying this than China's leaders are more online than ours, like significantly more like they, they actually God, really that's hard, frightening. That's hard to imagine. <laughs> no, that is, that it's, is it's deeply problematic. Like, yeah. People, people like, like local government offices, right. Have like, they, they have these like internal sites that like show them what people are posting. And this this goes from the from the bottom levels, it goes all the way up to the top. Like people actually listen to bloggers. Like like they're they're and, you know, so some of the some of the people who I'm about to talk about are, are incredibly influential. And so there, there's a bunch of arguments in the early two thousands about how China's gonna industrialize. And th- th- these are basically online arguments. Um and the guys who win that argument, uh Xi Jinping basically takes their industrial policy and implements it. <laughs> Which is, you know, which is, which is a scale of, like, how online these people are. That, like, yeah, people are taking economic policy from, like, literally, oh, I mean, no. you know, it's, it's, it's not solely that. But, yeah, they're taking economic policy from people arguing on the internet. Oh, no. Right? This, is, this is an incredibly online society. And it, it you know, but it, the, the worst part is that for a while it works. You know, their the economic policy basically is they're going to increase the size of the Chinese economy by investing in sort of high-tech industry and moving up the value chain. This, is, this has been very standard sort of Chinese economic policy for a while. 
Um, the problem is, in the last about decade, it's it's it stopped working. And, you know, the CCP's response was to do more financialization. And this pissed off the like the the online they were they were called like the industrial party. This pisses off those guys because, you know, their whole thing it was don't financialize, just keep investing in like building airplanes and stuff, and the Chinese economy will work itself out. And but eventually even they can't keep making this argument because, you know, I mean, it, like in like 2010, right? Like the, the Chinese GDP growth rate was 10%. And now it's like maybe five in last year. I mean, last year is 2020. So, you know, it was really low. But I mean, the Chinese growth rate has been imploding. And so what, what you get out of this is, is this group of people called, called the Kaoists based on this guy named Kao. Okay, so, so Kao, Kao is the guy who, who, who essentially introduces the concept of involution. And he's arguing that this is happening because, and I'm going to quote him here, uh, people can't get, quote, a peaceful life, get a pretty girl, live in a big house because of the U.S. And so this, the solution to this basically is, is to deal with, like, to destroy America as a hegemon. And then once you do that, you know, you can get all of these things. And as you can tell, like, you know, okay, peaceful life, get a pretty girl, live in a big house. This, this is like a very conservative framing of this. Yeah. 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 I mean, this is this is the Chinese equivalent of of two point five kids in a white picket fence, and it, it has yeah. all of this sort of associated gender politics and class yeah. politics that go along with that. And you know, and, and when when Cao and the Cows are talking about involution, what they're talking about is they're literally they literally mean China's stagnated economy, right? So they're, they're talking about okay, you have more inputs, you have labor and technology inputs, but the output per input is declining, and the only way to restore economic growth, to achieve prosperity, is by solving the decline in output by defeating the Americans. But you know, and, and this, this this is kind of a big deal. And for a while, in sort of like 2019, 2020, this this is this is going places. But very quickly, people are like, my life fucking sucks. Like, I don't care about this econ shit or this like grand national struggle against the world hegemon. Like, I, I care about the fact that like my life is this incredibly pointless, ever escalating rat race with like literally no rewards. Yeah, that would that would concern me too, if that yeah. were a thing that we were capable of feeling in our country. Yeah, it's well, there, there's there's been some really funny stuff with involution where like y- you read accounts of it and you'll get like anthropologists going like, oh yeah, this is this is the thing that this is the thing that's unique to China, and it's like, have have you worked a job in in the U.S. <laughs> like, but you know, involution, you know, what happens to it over over the course of sort of 2020 is it goes from being the general, you know. It, go, it goes from being this thing that's about like speci- very specific like technical indust- arguments about industrial policy to, uh, as one, one anthropologist put it, quote, the experience of being locked in competition that one al- ultimately knows is meaningless. And so oh, people God. start talking. Yeah, yeah. We, could, we couldn't imagine that. This is. No. Yeah. And it's, you know, and, and people, people start talking about finding individual solutions to this. And so, you know, then this is things like working less, moving to lower tier cities, getting less prestigious jobs. Um, but, you know, and, and, I, and I want to think about this again, because this, this is a really interesting thing where you have a, a very incredibly right wing nationalistic and sort of like like middle class, like nostalgia, kind of like, you know, like milit- aggressive foreign policy thing. And then it just flips. And, and part of how it flips, and this is a part of the story that is almost completely ignored, but I think is really important. Did you guys know about, there's, there's a YouTuber named Li Zixi. She's the biggest Chinese YouTuber. She has 16 million followers. And most of her followers are not on YouTube because, you know, YouTube's like blocked by the firewall. But 
She has she has fifty five million followers on um oh, the, 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 the sort of Chinese version of TikTok, and yeah, okay. she has, she has across the world she has a hundred million followers, right? Like she she's she's one of the biggest media stars in the world, and her origins are kind of unclear. The like official biography basically says that like when she was twelve, instead of going to high school, she became a waitress, and then she had to like you know, but she she she'd gone to the city, and then she had to return to rural village to take care of her grandma, and she makes these videos that are these like very soft and calming videos with like calming music of her going into the woods and like harvesting materials and making fires out of logs and like cooking things. Okay. And it's, it's, it's just like, it's, you know, it's, it's very much this, this rural utopianism. There's, there's basically yeah. no industrial technology. Yeah. It's like cottage core return to nature. Yeah. 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 I, I know a lot of people who watch shit like that just to like soothe them after a day of work, like yeah. see somebody like dig a cave and turn it into a, like a bath or something using just hand tools or whatever. Yeah. And there's, it's interesting. This kind of, it's almost like turned into a subgenre, but yeah. uh, she's by far the, 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 the biggest like version of this. And, you know, so she gets, she gets picked up by a media company and from uh, 2015, 2016, it goes viral. And, you know, and it's interesting because so she's doing this because so she she has to go back to like take care of her grandma, and so she like opens a store, and she's trying to support herself by and like her grandma by opening a store, and so the videos were like a way to promote the store, and then you know now she has a hundred million followers, and she she gets adopted as this kind of like like national culture ambassador, I guess, by the state. Sure. And and essentially, you know, so there's nothing overtly political about these videos at all. Right, which is essentially offering and like trying to sell is this, you know, this like fantasy of retreat from industrial modernity into rural life. Yeah. And I think it's really easy to look at that aesthetic and go like, this is basically fascist. Like this is rejecting modernity, embrace tradition. Some et cetera, et people online, when they see that, immediately sees up and was like, oh no, it's eco fascism. Yes, yep. so some yeah. people do think that. Yeah, and, and I think you know, and I, and I think like that interpretation, I think, is actually a lot of why it got picked up by the Chinese by Chinese media companies and then like sorted by the Chinese state because. You know, like ha- having an actual positive utopian image of rural life is politically useful to them, and something that's like not ha- hasn't been true since like this is really... we've had this for a long time. <laughs> yeah, well, no, and I, th- I think I-, I would say this, this. I think this is the thing that's different in China is that there hasn't been like a positive conception of rural life really since. I I, I, I guess the Great Leap Forward, and then argue like there there were some people in the Cultural Revolution, but then they actually went there and were like, oh god, this sucks. <laughs> And so, you know, so they, they need a new one. They came up with this. But, you know, the thing that's different about China than the U.S. is that China's migrant worker population, like, is almost the entire size of the population of the U.S. I mean, it's, yeah. it's like 270 million people, right? I mean, it's, it's enormous. And, yeah. and a huge number of these people, you know, I'm some of these people are going from, like, city to city or, like, town to town. But a lot of these people are coming from, from rural villages into cities and... You know, I mean, these are this is this is the backbone of the Chinese workforce, and like these people, like they they see their family once a year, because, you know, like they 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 can't afford to go home, so they they go home once a year for New Year's because they get some time off and they come back, and and this is where, you know, the, like the, the, these videos are an obvious fantasy, but you know they they suggest an alternative to work in the capitalist city that's sort of plausible, you know, especially if you come from a rural village, and this is where this whole thing completely backfires on on the Chinese ruling class. And, you know, because this, 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 this Taoist involution discourse is about to fuse with this style of rural, rural utopianism into a movement that is going to shake the foundation of work itself. But first, but first ads again, also not connected to anything we're talking about. Nope. No, no connection whatsoever. Why Garrison, don't even bring that up. There's no needs. There's no reason for people to think about, about the fact that about that. 
Don't think anyway, about it. Anyway, here's the think Washington about State Patrol. Think about ads. Yeah, think about the Washington State Highway Patrol. Primary sponsors, <laughs> if it could happen here. If it happens to you, you'll want the Washington <laughs> State Highway Patrol it's so to be fleeing funny. over the border. <laughs> it's so funny. Anyway, yeah. we're trying to get it pulled, but I, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> we're, we're working on it, people. I think it's hilarious. Um, yeah. Anyway, so please don't, please don't join the Washington State Highway Patrol. <laughs> ah, we're back, and I don't know about y'all, but I, I thought I knew what I was talking about, and I, after those ads, I am fully Washington State Highway Patrol pilled. I'm on board. Let's do it. Yeah, in, in April of 2020, a, a guy on Chinese social media makes a post, and I'm, I'm just going to read it. 2020 or 2021? Sorry, 2021. Yeah, April 2021. So uh, yeah, I'm just going to read this post because it's kind of short and it rules. I haven't been working for two years. I have just been hanging around and I don't see anything wrong with this. Pressure mainly comes from the generation with your peers and the values of the older generation. These pressures keep popping up. But we don't have to abide by these norms. I can live like Diogenes and sleep in a wooden bucket there enjoying we go. sunshine. I can live like Heraclitus in a cave thinking about Logos. Since this land has never had a school of thought that upholds human subjectivity, I can develop one of my own. Lying down is my philosophical movement. Only through lying flat can humans become the measure of all things. Incredibly based. Oh it my god. Rules. Oh, that's the best. I love that. Can I talk about Diogenes now? Yeah, is all that, right. We're talking about moment? Diogenes. Let's so, go. My, my man Diogenes, is he's from this trend in Greek philosophical thought during kind of the high period of, of Greek civilization where a bunch of things come out of it. You kind of get anarchism, Western anarchism out of it. You kind of get uh, you you get elements of like Puritan culture from it because they're a lot of them are very much anti like the the pleasures of sex and like anything pleasing and like you don't you don't do anything that feels good because then you become dependent on it like there's a whole bunch of shit going on um, and Diogenes was like one of one of the first motherfuckers who were kind of playing around in this in this philosophical space and when he gets into so his er, early life is his dad is. Uh, kind of a, a grifter, it sounds like. We know that he got in trouble. He and his dad got exiled for debasing currency, which could be as simple as they were watering down, for lack of a better term, like the gold or silver in currency with less precious metals and hiding it in order to make a profit, right? And yeah. like keep the extra gold. That could be what they were doing. It also could have been like, a, it could have been political because some people who were doing this in Sinope, I think is the city, which is now in Turkey, we're doing it for political reasons. We don't really know why, but there's actual documented archaeological evidence of this, including right around the time he would have been a child, we found from that period a cache of debased gold and silver coins that had been destroyed. So someone had like realized they'd been debased and destroyed them so they couldn't be used. So there's evidence. Anyway, he and his dad get exiled, which means from an early stage, he goes from being somewhat of means. If your dad's making the currency, you're not probably yeah. not like a poor family. Um and then they get kicked out of their city-state, and they're, like, kind of stateless. And so Diogenes evolves over time and, like, gets into philosophy. He tries to – there's this – I always forget the name of the guy that he he loved at first, but there's this philosopher who's, like, you know, this cynical – like, that's the, the school of thought he comes from. He's, like, a cynic um, that Diogenes really wants to study from. And the guy, like, assaults him as, as Diogenes is like, hey, man, I want to learn from you. Like, he – like hits him or something. This keeps happening. And eventually he's like, th this guy is like, why do you keep doing this? And Diogenes is like, you have something I can learn from. Uh, and so I don't really care what you do to me. I'm going to, I'm going to keep persisting. And so he becomes this guy's 
student, yada, yada. And the guy who he becomes the student of is like kind of a poser because he's talking about like, we need to give up, you know, these kind of like pleasures of, of like civilized life and, and return to a more simple time and like not enjoy all of these, you know, the benefits of wealth. But he like, he's also a rich guy and he doesn't give up his money. And Diogenes is like poor as hell um, and stays that way. Um, and so he becomes famous for, he goes to Athens and he becomes famous for a bunch of like troll shit. We don't actually have, he wrote like 10 books. We don't have any of them. So we don't actually like know what he actually wrote in his philosophy. We just have stories from other philosophers and it's all Diogenes being a fucking troll. So like, um, on one occasion, he, one of his big things was he believed that people, that if, if something was an acceptable behavior, it was an acceptable behavior everywhere. Right. And so the start of this was in, in Athens, you were supposed to go buy your food in the market but you weren't supposed to eat it there. That was like considered rude, like like to, like like kind of obscene almost. And Diogenes would like get food and then and usually by begging because he was that was the way he got everything. He had no money. He would like get food and he would eat it right in the middle of the market. And everybody was like, that's disgusting. And Diogenes would be like, well, if it's okay for me to eat, it must be okay for me to eat here. That's great. <laughs> Diogenes took it a little bit further than that. He, uh, yeah, he, I can yeah. I can see a few ways you could yeah. take this. He extended that to if it's fine for me to urinate or shit, it's fine for me to do it anywhere. Okay, well, and eventually, that is fine. I have no problem he, with that. He defended but... himself masturbating yeah, while looking at people in public as <laughs> there like you go. if this is okay for me to do in my bedroom, why can't yes. I do this here, right? <laughs> um it's very like he's 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 a troll, um Diogenes. And he's also like again, the stories we have of him he, is he is like uber anesthetic so like at one point for a long time the only thing he owns is a wooden bowl that's his cup and and for his food and then uh, according to you know legend he sees this poor peasant child drinking from like cupped hands and he throws away his bowl and he's really angry and he's like god damn it i spent all this effort carrying around something useless like i could have just been putting <laughs> shit in my hands <laughs> like, he's he's a very entertaining character and a very the, uh, like the fun, original oogle yeah. The yeah, first one. yeah, he's absolutely an oogle, um, and he, he's yeah, he's just kind of like an endearing piece of shit is like his uh, the, the the idea you get, but also like smarter than I mean, because because fundamentally what Diogenes is doing is he's he's saying like, hey, all this stuff that we think is important and good about our culture and and like valuable, what if it wasn't? What if none of it matters? Yeah, he's like he's provoking the thing. And he's he's big into like one of his his like the things he comes back to a lot is that like dogs are clearly happier than us and like better creatures than us. So we should just seek to be like dogs. Um, and one of the ways he might have died is getting bitten by a dog and his bike <laughs> getting infected. We don't really know how he died. Um, the, the other thing about Diogenes, this guy fucking hates rich people. Oh, oh he, he just oh, yeah. Yeah. buys them. <laughs> he rules. Is, and he's very funny about it. So Alexander the Great, apocryphally, maybe this probably never happened, but the story is that Alexander the Great comes to Athens, you know, while he's on his his blitz through conquering the known world and finds Diogenes. And Alexander the Great was like raised by Aristotle, right? So he knows his philosophy guys. Like he, he he's 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 seeking Diogenes out because he's a fan of this dude, probably through stories that were told to him in the same way that like I'm telling them to you now. So he like comes up to Diogenes and he's like, oh my God, I'm Alexander the Great. I'm a big fan. If I couldn't be Alexander the Great, I would want to be Diogenes. Um, and Diogenes responds, well, if I couldn't be Diogenes, <laughs> I would just want to be Diogenes, which is a fucking flex. Uh, again, okay. probably never happened, but like incredible I, I, I want to I I read this meme that Garrison sent me 
because it it it, it happens. It's, it's absolutely the perfect description of what of what this whole thing is sort of about. So okay, this is me. Yeah. The philosopher Diogenes was eating bread and lentils for supper. He was seen by the philosopher. I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. Aristippus, who was it living doesn't matter. Some dead ass Greek. Yeah, some guy who's about to get absolutely destroyed. Right, uh, he's living comfortably, like flattering the king. Uh, Aristippus says. If you would learn to be subservient to the king, you would not have to live on lentils. Diogenes replied, learn to live on lentils and you will not have to be subservient to the king. Yeah. Oh, oh, There's burned. all sorts of base shit like that. My favorite. But yeah, no, I, 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 so I, our I guy, our guy, Plato is like, is like trying to determine, trying to define like a human in the simplest way possible. Oh, yes. Yeah. Like the platonic <laughs> ideal. And he was, so he, he comes to the conclusion that like, well, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an unwinged biped. Um, and Diogenes supposedly goes, grabs a plucked chicken, and says, "Behold a man! Like I <laughs> found a dude." Rules. Yeah. <laughs> um, he would he would famously walk around town in broad daylight with like a um, what do you call it? Like a lantern, like looking around, and people were like, "What are you looking for?" He's like, oh, "I'm looking for a man." He would like look at a dude and he like, "I'm looking for a man." And as is to say, like none of you motherfuckers are people. Like you all think that you're human <laughs> beings, but you're really just pieces of shit. Like he's just an amazing asshole. Sorry that that we should move back to anti work, but that's no, well, that's who this, Diogenes yeah. is. It, it ties in, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But and this this is the funny thing. It, both 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 American and Chinese like anti work people both fucking love Diogenes. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you know, very, and, and, very popular on our slash anti work. Yeah. And and you know and the, the the thing I was reading about the like you know learn to live on lentils and you'll never like have to be subjugated by a king that that's a lot of what lying down becomes so very rapidly the, this whole thing spreads into this like really it's like a sort of astounding I mean, it, you know it starts out of a meme and it spreads incredibly quickly and the CCP gets like really really mad about this. Um, so, so it like, so this, this starts in April, right? And in May there's, they have this like enormous media blitz where like, like the, 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 the party is like outlet basically. And Guangdong publishes like a four page long attack on the concept of lying down. Like the CCP, they, they, there's oh. newspapers everywhere publish this stuff. Like the CCP like bans the term lying flat right. on WeChat. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. It's just like, you know, they do this, but it's too late. Like it's, it's already it's always too late. Yeah. And you know, so, and th- yeah, so part part of what lying down is is about you know you have this incredibly fast paced intense work culture you have involution you're working more and more and you're getting nothing out of it and lying flat is just going no like you just lie down you yeah, refuse nope. to work but it's 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 also it's more than that and I think this this goes back to the sort of broader conception of anti work so one one of the the slogans um of this movement is don't buy property don't buy a car don't get married don't have children and don't consume and you know the, the last part of this which is implied is don't work. And, you know, there's a lot sort of going on here. I mean, you have, you know, it's not just sort of a a critique of like, we work too hard. It's about, you know, it's about the sort of whole system. It's about the sort of patriarchy involved in this. It's about the sort of like forced capitalist consumption. It's about like, you know, the the fact that like literally a quarter of Chinese, of China's economy, China's GDP is like all this real estate bullshit that everyone knows is going to collapse. And even when it gets built, like sucks. 
Thank God we don't have anything like that here. Yeah, I know. It, it's great. It's it, the, one, of, one of the fun things about learning history is you get to just watch every country do exactly the same thing with their housing market. Like, you yeah, know, Japan, do it, US funny. do it. It's like, it's great. It's just like, you also like, get why to watch, do you think this will work? One, one, one extra fun thing is you get to watch every country do the same thing with farms, and it always ends the same yep. way. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Latifundia. Oh, anyway. Bad. Yeah, so there, there's, there's a lot of, you know... Th- in order to sort of like facilitate this, you, you know, you, you get back to the Diogenes. So a lot of it, what's happening is people sharing tips about how to like make the cheapest food you could possibly survive on so you don't have to work. And so, you know, and people, the, 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 the guy who wrote the, the Diogenes post, like he spends $30 a month and he does this by only eating dried ramen and eggs and like rice. There and you sort go. Of like, yeah, yeah. That's you know, one way and, to do it. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's a way to is, do it. Yeah. Th- this is like the most extreme example. Actually, I don't even think it's the most extreme example. A lot of people... Oh, so it's one probably of the things, not. No. no. Like, like, one of the things that happens a lot is a bunch of people just like have left their jobs to become monks. This, this is like a whole thing. <laughs> sure, just yeah. Like, yeah, like, yeah I'm going to go be a Buddhist. Like, Honestly, uh, uh, why not? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's great. Like, and, uh, I used to live in a place in the middle of fucking nowhere, one of the most like isolated places I've ever lived that like had power. Um, and one of the people who was like, by neighbor, they were within several miles of us, was a monastery. This is in the United States. <laughs> and like, I went there once because I heard they made good wine to try and get some of their wine. And like, none of them would answer the door. I could see them inside all staring at me. <laughs> they didn't do shit. And my, my overwhelming thought was like, yeah, that seems like a pretty good way to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I see why you guys have picked this life. It was also during the 2016 election. So oh, I was like yeah, coming that's back fair. from the, the RNC and the DNC and was like, <laughs> yeah, that seems smarter than what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there, there's a lot of, you know, yeah, that'd be the extreme example, like, yeah, people going to become monks. But, like, one of the things that's happening a lot is, again, you know, China has an enormous migrant worker population, and people are just like, fuck this i'm going back to my village and so and you know and this is you know this 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 is where they really screwed up with the youtube stuff because you know people were people you know they they, they were gambling that that you know you could just sell this as an aesthetic and you know you can sell it as an aesthetic like chinese tiktok has this integrated thing in it where like if if you if you, if you plug like something to buy uh it like you, you you can like click it and it'll just, it'll take you like to a link like to to to, to the thing it's selling so you know, and so yeah, they make an enormous amount of money out of this. But you know, the 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 other side of that sword is a bunch of people were like, I don't have to work this like, I don't have to work nine nine six in a city. I can just go home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, and you know, and, you know. So you know, as as you're talking about with the anti work stuff, it, it's not actually possible for a lot of people to leave their jobs. Not everybody. So. The solution to this was uh, there, there there's a sort of a culture that developed called petting fish. Which and but b- b- before you talk about petting fish, you said something about uh plugging things on TikTok, and you know who you know you know like pl- plugging like advertisements, and you know who also plugs plugs advertisements, Chris. Oh no, is it us? Do we us? It's Joe right, Rogan. Right, it's right Joe now. Rogan. But our new sponsor is the Joe Rogan Experience, oh, no. brought to you God. by Honda. Honda, drive a car. Do fascism. Honda, really. Yeah, Honda Garrison. Look, we don't. We're not nearly a big enough podcast to get fucking to get a Toyota ad. Are you crazy? Yeah, that's what we can dream big. Yeah, I mean that is the dream to sell Toyotas. I mean, 
we could become used car salesmen in the valley. All right, here's ads. Ah! We're All right. back. Cut that. We're heading fish. Come on, Chris. Handle cut, it. Cut that. No, keep, <laughs> keep it all in, baby. Yeah, so there's there's all this thing called the petting fish, which is like Chinese slack off culture, and it's you know it's a bunch of people sharing tips about how to slack off at work, and it, it's it's kind of the Sick. equivalent. Like, I, I, yeah, I love that it's called petting fish, and then that also is, like it, it is good. Yeah, it's it's kind of the Chinese equivalent of like boss makes a dollar, I make a dime. That's why I shit on company time. Yeah, and so cool. people do just a lot of like they have a lot of like genuinely fun things they do. Like people people started putting like fake uh, beatings on their calendars so people wouldn't bother them. <laughs> they like they just like Excellent. people go, like that's that, that is also that is that that's also what I do. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the if you want to make I I love the term petting fish as well. But if you want to like make it sound cool, they're waging an insurgency from within capitalism. It's true. By by by, t- by trying to take resources away from their employers um, without being spotted. Yeah, there's a there's a thing in volume one of Capital about this that I I was like, oh, I could pull this up. And then I was like, that is too much work. I'm not going to do it. So I don't have the thing in volume yeah, one where it talks we about we struggling between about labor time. But yeah. instead you get a bunch of people like this, like smuggling whiskey into work, taking three yes. hour lunch breaks. Yeah. My favorite one, my, my absolute favorite work. one. Drink at work, especially if you're a nurse. <laughs> Uh oh boy, we've mm-hmm. probably killed about fifty people. <laughs> this is gonna Fingers be great. Crossed. Fingers crossed. So you, you know how like companies all have these like these really annoying like mindfulness fitness things. Yes. So mm-hmm. one of the things people started doing was okay. So you know the thing, but like you have to drink eight hour eight times a day. So they 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 would set these alarms. That's like oh I have to go drink my water. And so like every like every like fifty minutes or something, they just go up and like spend twenty minutes getting water. <laughs> And they sit back down, and it's like you've just eviscerated an enormous part of your workday. And nice. and the, the product of this, you know, the CCP is really pissed off about this. And you know, you get these giant billboards that say "No lying flat, no petting fish" on them, which is something that would have been literally incomprehensible like a year ago. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's, like, it's amazing. Yeah, and you know, and, and I, I think this is something you know, it, it, in the U.S., anti-work, like the actual political class, kind of has been ignoring it. I mean, you see a couple financial analysts. Uh, in China, Xi Jinping like made a speech. It was like he, he you know, he gave a private speech to a bunch of high level people in the party, and so a part of it got printed uh, like a month ago or something. I've I've lost track of all time, but like 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 specifically in this speech that Xi Jinping is making that is published in the CCP's official like theoretical journal, he's like explicitly saying like don't lie flat and saying quote happy life is earned through hard hard work. Ugh. And yeah, and he also has this. He has his rant about like denouncing welfareism, which is great. The uh, the communist vanguard there. Yeah, yeah. Preaching the immortal science. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> socialism with Chinese characteristics, motherfuckers. Yeah, Don't yeah, be a welfare that's, queen. That's very follow fun. Xi Jinping thought. It's yeah. great. You know, and, and, and but it's interesting because people. This is the one people are really freaked out about. Like I saw, I saw like an American writer about this who, you know, they they wrote like an article about this whole thing, and then they were like, "This is gonna, this is gonna cause inflation." And he's like, "This is gonna be the driver of twenty percent okay. inflation." I'm like what? You know, people, people just sort of, use the word inflation to mean whatever scary thing they want. Yeah, well, yeah. They're, they're like, "Oh, this will this will increase wages, and that will lead to inflation, and we'll get the seventies again." And I'm like, "Oh God." Uh-huh. Maybe we'll but, get a tallow you know, disco again. Did you ever think of that guy? Oh, good God! That we that we our reserves of a tallow disco are critically low. So, Garrison, uh, what, do you what, know what a tallow disco is? No idea. That's a shame. 
All right, so, let's continue. What, what what type of like is there is there like any like you said this kind of stuff started to like move leftwards? Is there any like actual like leftist organizing in these types of places? <sighs> so so this is the thing I was getting to, which is that like you know people are starting to do reading groups, but the problem the problem with leftist organizing in China is that you know so state policy in the past three years has been like if you poke your head above ground, you get arrested. So, you know, I mean, the, in, in 2018, for example, there was there was a, a strike at JSIC and, you know, a bunch of student groups who'd been organizing for a long time, like tried to do solidarity with it. And they all got arrested. The people who were strike, the people who let the strike got arrested. All the, the students who were doing solidarity got arrested. People like pe- people got arrested for like like dancing with like like university students got arrested for like like dancing with the people who were like cleaning the floors. Uh, yeah. And, and oh, so, God. You know, but, yeah. It's, that, like, the that's level, a little bleak. Yeah, like the the, 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 the emotional science repression. Yeah, like it's it's incredible. And like you know, and, and you, the other thing that you can see about this was so so. For example, there was there was a guy doing like delivery driver organizing. It was kind of weird. He was like kind of an entrepreneur, kind of doing delivery driver organizing. Like he got arrested, and then you know, like a couple of weeks later, the CCP was like, "Oh, we're gonna like do things to improve the conditions of uh, of of delivery drivers," and you know, who knows if that's gonna happen. But like. You know, basically, like any anyone out for some reason, the the people in the tech sector have been able to get away with more for reasons that are probably class based, and I think the CEO yeah, doesn't take them yeah. seriously in the way that they do with students and factory workers. Yeah, but you know, and, and actually, I mean, the fact that the the tech workers like kind of recently, like there, there was a tech worker thing calling for like like democratic control of production, which is wild. But other than those guys, like you can't, you know, you can't stick your head up, you get flattened. So th- this has sort of been the, the result of this, which is this like, you know, the 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 sort of the like lying flat is this is you know it's this mass decentralized movement that you know th- there's there's no one to hit with a hammer, and you know and and, and I think like okay so one one of the other quotes that's that's been going around about lying flat is it's it's a poem it doesn't poem as well in English but you know <laughs> this this is the best we've got. Lying flat is to not bow down. Lying flat is to not kneel. Lying flat is to stand up horizontally. Lying flat is a straight spine. And so, you know, what, what, what's basically happening here is is it's a combination of, of the, the, the tendencies you see in the U.S. where, you know, a bunch of people, terrible jobs, realizing that everything's pointless. And then also, this is a way you can, like, this is a way you can, like, fight your boss without, like, the police showing up. Yeah. And so th- there's there's some interesting like political stuff. So there, there's there, there's 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 if you, if you look at the document, there's, there's a bunch of memes here because they're great. Uh, so there, there's there's been a thing with these people talking about how people are leaks, which are like they're leaks. They're harvested over and over again, and they're being exploited. And like the plants, yeah, yes, yeah, the like plants, the like, plant. yeah, like yeah. like yeah, you eat. And so they have this thing. It's a uh, leaks that lie flat cannot be so easily harvested. And it's just like a knife going like. Try, like, like a machete like trying to swing at a bunch of leaks but the leaks are flat so they can't hit them and i like see that what you, too i see what you do I, I like i like all of this yeah yeah it's 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 you know and so and so what the the, the product of this is that yeah like the, this 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 has this stuff has actually been effective enough that the ccp like you know i mean the ccp is, is taking it seriously but you know there's not much they can do about it because like if, if if someone's just like oh I, I'm going to go from a, a job that's really high stress to one that's less high stress like what are you gonna are you just gonna arrest them like what what are you gonna do and so this yeah th- this this has been building for a while now and I don't know who who knows exactly like where it's gonna go but it's 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 already 
you know, it, it, it's something that people can do as an individual in a place where organized political action is impossible in, in, in a way such that, you know, their, their individual actions have a collective effect, but one that can't be just, you know, pounded down. Yeah. I mean, it is certainly interesting to see two completely yeah. separate, like, anti-work style movements arise yeah. basically around the same yeah. same exact time yeah. with the same exact points um, if you're in totally different languages, right? If you're you know? someone who's interested in massive global revolutionary change, this should probably be a thing that you are yeah. looking at and studying and thinking a lot about, because perhaps while we're arguing about shit that people started talking about in the 1870s, this this might be a, a better thing to do than than that, because uh, because it's it seems like there's some potential here. Yeah, and I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, if 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 you if you know any 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 actual revolutionary project that makes the world better is going to have to be international. Yep. And that's uh, been, yep. you know, that 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 that's been the bane of all revolutionary movements forever. But, you know, okay, so we have, you know, that we 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 have something the Chinese the American working class agrees on, which is yep. Diogenes is based in work sucks. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so as you go forward into your life this week, um Take a page from Diogenes's book and go shit on the shit floor on the of a concrete. free people. <laughs> shit, on, shit on the floor of a free people, or yeah, uh, free people are in H and M. Go f- walk into one and yeah. just, just, just go absolutely ruin that tile. I mean, fuck it up. This is why my 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 biggest political advice to friends, who has always been learn to run fast. <laughs> because if you learn to run fast, you can do so many more fun things. You All can take politics a shit in a store and then run fast, and it's done. Right? <laughs> the problem is, is that a lot of people, mm-hmm. like who who want to do this, can't run fast enough. And yeah. you have, so learn to run fast, it, do this. There we go. It's like Mao said: all political power comes from being able to shit really fast and then <laughs> bolt from away? the doors of a free people. Just get the <laughs> hell out of there. The immortal science. <laughs> Look, I, I think I, th- I think I think we should leave with with the 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 the, the, the real immortal science, the, the immortal words of a skeleton <laughs> from the share zone. Just mm-hmm. walk out. You can leave work, mm-hmm. social things, movie, home, class, dentist, clothes shops, too fancy weed store, cops if you're quick, friendships. If it sucks, hit the bricks. Yeah, yeah. As as some comedian who I can't remember now said, always have an exit plan. Like that 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 should be your thought for everything. Everything the, in the hit world. Hit the bricks. Hit the fucking bricks. Get out. Anyway, get out of this podcast episode now. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER
I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. All 12 episodes of The Passage are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Ding dong, Las Culturistas calling. iHeart Podcast Awards 2023 Podcast of the Year, Las Culturistas, with SNL's Bowen Yang and comedian Matt Rogers. There's stuff happening in 2024 that we really need to address. Pop culture and huge guests like the latest episode with... Dua Lipa! The more I think about it, the more scared and nervous I get. Listen to the newest episode of Las Culturistas with Dua Lipa and all episodes on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Las Culturistas to start listening. Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. On NPR's new podcast, Wild Card, we have ripped up the typical script. It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wildcard on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to It Could Happen Here, a podcast about things falling apart and what you can do about it. My name is Christopher Wong, and today I'm going to be talking about sabotage. But this is not the episode on sabotage that you expect. I will not be discussing, for example, the destruction of machinery, throwing monkey wrenches, slowdown strikes, or the myriad of other tactics that workers have used since time immemorial to strike back at their bosses. No, instead, I'm going to be talking about a far more common and infinitely more dangerous form of sabotage. Corporate sabotage. Now, The most conspicuous form of corporate sabotage is the mass destruction of a corporation's own products. The fashion company Burberry, for example, destroyed $370 million of its own product in one year alone. Louis Vuitton and Chanel also systematically destroy their unsold stock every year, joining H&M and literally lighting their unsold products on fire in order to prevent anyone from using them. Quote Business Insider, Richemont, the owner of Cadillac Montblanc, destroyed more than 400 million pounds of watches over a two-year period after an excess in goods in the Asian markets. Nike has also admitted that a New York store slashed unsold trainers before throwing them away, and last year an Urban Outfitters employee said he was instructed to pour green paint on the unsold stock. These, of course, are only the stories that have made it into the press. And this behavior is by no means limited to high fashion. Grocery stores routinely throw away enormous quantities of unsold goods, And when communities realized they could feed people in need by taking the still-good products from grocery store dumpsters, the stories began to destroy the food intentionally. But these acts of destruction, as callous and horrifically greedy as they are, are by no means the extent of corporate sabotage. To explain, I turn to the work of the economist Thorsten Veblen. Veblen is perhaps best known today for the theory of conspicuous consumption, but he wrote extensively on corporate sabotage. 
In the first part of The Engineers and the Price System, a work that has been broadly ignored even by his followers, Feblin wrote a section called On the Nature and Uses of Sabotage. From that work, writers and speakers who dilate on the militarious exploits of the nation's businessmen will not commonly allude to this voluminous running administration of sabotage, this conscientious withdrawal of efficiency that goes into their ordinary day's work. We are not used to thinking of the ordinary work of a corporation being sabotage. But for Veblen, there was no other explanation for what he was seeing. In the wake of World War I, there was an enormous explosion in unemployment, an enormous need on behalf of the population. But even as the unemployed begged to be let in to create the products that could fill the needs of their fellow humans, business owners steadfastly refused to open their factories. As Veblen explained, but for reasons of business expediency, it is impossible to let these idle plants and idle workmen go to work. That is to say, for reasons of insufficient profit to the businessmen interested, or, in other words, for reasons of insufficient income to the vested interests which control the staple industries and so regulate the output of product. Feblin was not alone in observing these or similar conditions. John Maynard Keynes, writing during the Depression, observed nearly precisely the same thing. For Keynes, the solution simply was to have the government step in to increase demand. But for Veblen, this missed the core of the problem. The real problem was that a core of absentee owners had the ability to shut down the factories in the first place by simple virtue of their ownership. This, Veblen argued, was simply sabotage, no different from the hated strikes of the IWW that so racked and perturbed the capitalist ruling class of his time. At least the workers could argue that they were simply fighting for a better share of what they'd created. The absentee owners, on the other hand, who had no actual involvement in the production process whatsoever, simply carried out sabotage on an enormous scale in order to secure their own returns. And this was true even in times that weren't marked by massive depressions. In order to make payments to capitalists, Veblen argued, who expect a certain rate of return on their investment, corporations must maintain prices at such a level that they can meet their returns, and the only way they can do this is sabotage. For the good of business, it is necessary to curtail production of the means of life, on pain of unprofitable prices, at the same time that the increasing need of all sorts of necessities of life must be met in some passable fashion, on pain of popular disturbances, as will always come of popular distress when they pass the limit of tolerance. This sabotage, Veblen argued, was simply a product of the price system. Any production that was too efficient would simply and inevitably be sabotaged for private gain, because in order to maintain prices that would maintain the returns of investors, it was necessary to ensure that production never became too efficient to produce too many goods. Veblen used as his example the 20th century post office, but we could just as easily point to Trump sabotaging the post office in 2020 in a dual bid to privatize the service by causing it to collapse and prevent mail-in votes from being counted as part of his attempt to win the 2020 election. In their book Capital as Power, economist Shimshon Bickler and Jonathan Neitzen take Veblen's argument and expand on it, noting that capitalism, far from encouraging productivity writ large, makes things inefficient on purpose. They use the example of public transportation, which is, by essentially any measure, a significantly more efficient way of moving people around the U.S. As an example, in the U.S. in the 1940s, a hundred electric rail lines were bought up and destroyed by car companies. Those same companies likewise twice destroyed incredibly efficient and popular electric cars, once in the 1930s and again in the 1980s, because the profit rate was lower than that of gas cars. 
They then set out to cause everyone to forget that they'd actually done this until Elon Musk figured out a way to sell electric cars that was profitable, namely by selling himself as a brand and not the cars themselves. Now, if capitalism was simply destroying its own products in order to create Elon Musk's, you could argue that the system at least produced advancements before it stopped them. But the most violent forms of sabotage are reserved for productive systems that are simultaneously efficient and outside of capitalist control altogether. Perhaps the best-known example of this is the East British East India Company's deindustrialization of the Indian textile industry. Not to be outmatched by their British forebearers, American settlers and their allies in the American military exterminated the buffalo herds of the Great Plains in an attempt to starve out the indigenous tribes that lived there. In doing so, they destroyed an enormously productive and sustainable agricultural system. They did so precisely because the system was efficient. So efficient, in fact, that it allowed indigenous tribes to repeatedly defeat the American army in defense of their lands. We are used to thinking of capitalism as a system of production. But here, amidst the fields of buffalo corpses, is something else entirely. Capitalism appearing in its true form. A system of organized sabotage. To fully untangle what this means, let us return to Veblen. Veblen divided capitalism into two separate processes. The first he called industry. Industry, Veblen argued, has existed long before capitalism and will continue to exist long after it. As Bickler and Nietzsche put it, quote, When considered in isolation from contemporary business institutions, the principal goal of industry, its raison d'etre according to Veblen, is the efficient production of quality goods and services for the betterment of human life. Industry is an inherently collective undertaking. Its basis is cooperation and integration, the creation of communal knowledge that allows production and scientific advance to occur, and coordination and cooperation between people to create things for each other. Left to its own devices, industry would simply produce goods for people. It has no concern for profitability, rates of returns, or capitalization. Unfortunately, capitalism is defined by private ownership. This is what Veblen calls business. Business is a system of power that extracts wealth from industry by means of sabotage. Production to serve human need, the basis of industry, is useless to business unless it can be turned into a revenue stream. It does this by taking control of industry and its products and then restricting access to it. Bickler and Nietzsche put it, The most important feature of private ownership is not that it enables those who own, but that it disables those who do not. Technically, anyone can get in someone else's car and drive away, or give an order to sell all of Warren Buffett's shares in Berkshire Hathaway. The purpose of private ownership is wholly and only an institution of exclusion, and institutional exclusion is a matter of organized power. As we can see from the genocide on the plains, this power is no abstract force. Veblen tends to focus on the power of absentee owners to stop production, and for good reason. But business stands in the way of industry, in more immediate ways too. After all, the purpose of cooperative industry is to make goods to improve our lives. And yet in between us and the proceeds that industry creates to serve our needs, there is a cash register and a cop. Even the creators of a Louis Vuitton bag, or for that matter, a tomato, have no claim on it once business takes over, and business would rather destroy it than see it fall into their hands. The famous Russian anarchist theorist Peter Kropotkin was writing along similar lines to Veblen just a few years before. Veblen, it seems, had been exposed to anarchist ideas through his association with the industrial workers of the world. 
In the early 1900s, it was not altogether unusual for economists to move in radical circles. The great Italian economist Piero Serafa smuggled pens and papers to Antonio Gramsci, while Gramsci, the head of the Italian Communist Party, was a prisoner of the Italian fascist regime. Serafa would later extract the writings that Gramsci had written in prison, unleashing Gramsci's prison notebooks onto the world. But Veblen was unique even among these economists for the extent that he incorporated radical theories directly into his work, as you've seen with his adoption of sabotage as a way of thinking about capitalism. This led Veblen to call the end of the system of what he described as vested interests and absentee owners. Veblen's solution, however, which he described as a, quote, Soviet of technicians that would manage production for all society, leaves a lot to be desired for. So let us return to the source. Here's Kropotkin in The Conquest of Bread. The mines, though they represent the labor of several generations and derive their sole value from the requirements of the industry of a nation and the density of the population, the mines also belong to the few, and these few restrict the output of coal or prevent it entirely, if they find more profitable investments for their capital. Machinery, too, has become the exclusive property of the few, and even when a machine incontestably represents an improvement added to the original rough invention by three or four generations of workers, it nonetheless belongs to a few owners. And if the descendants of the very inventor who constructed the first machine for lace building a century ago, were to present themselves today at a lace factory in Bale or Nottingham and demand their rights, they would be told, hands off, this machine is not yours, and they would be shot down if they attempted to take possession of it. Here we see the competition between two different kinds of rights. On the one hand, the right of industry, the right of creativity. The right of those who produce and care for each other, to be able to determine where the proceeds of their labor go. From industry's point of view, this is to each other, to those in need, and to society as a whole. On the other hand, there is the right of property, the right of men with guns to throw oysters into the ocean because it's not profitable for anyone to eat them. Capitalism has developed a myriad of iterations of precisely the same principle, and the world is now infested by them. Patent trolls, haunt the already fraught waters of intellectual property, buying up patents for cheap, or on rare occasions creating something themselves, for the sole purpose of preventing anyone else from using it, making money by suing anyone who dares try. Large corporations, of course, do precisely the same thing. See, for example, Disney's war on the concept of anything, anything at all, falling into the public domain. The sabotage, and on this, all four of our interlocutors, Veblen, Kropotkin, clear needs and agree, as long as private ownership exists. Because sabotage is all private ownership really is. But it is not simply enough to answer corporate sabotage with their own sabotage. As Veblen pointed out, this is simply the ordinary state of affairs under capitalism. For Kropotkin, the answer was simple. This rich endowment, painfully won, builded, fashioned, or invented by our ancestors, must become common property so that the collective interest of men may gain from it the greatest good for all. There must be expropriation, the well-being of all, the end. Expropriation, the means. How precisely to go about doing such a thing has been the subject of endless debate for nearly 200 years, and I am not arrogant enough to propose to solve the problem here. But a system 
where a company can prevent even the U.S. government from attempting to produce ventilators by simply buying up the company that won the contract and refusing to fill the order to maintain the value of the ventilators it was already producing is a system based on nothing less than ensuring that people will die for a 5% rate of return. If we are to have any hope of stopping the ravages that climate change promises for our future, we cannot afford to be sabotaged at every step. Hey, we'll be back Monday with more episodes every week from now until the heat death of the universe. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. This is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth, issues affecting the Latin community, and much more. Then every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community. Listen to Life as a Gringo on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.